You're listening to the Movie of the Week podcast, a podcast about movies which we review every week or until they shut us down. Welcome to another episode of the Movie of the Week podcast. I'm Jim. This is Drew. And this is Jacob. Sit back and relax as we talk about this week's movie, Knives Out. Shink. 2019. A detective investigates the death of... Hang on, this is the wrong show. Let's back up a minute. The Cellcast is recorded in front of a live streaming audience. Welcome to another episode of the Cellcast Plus. Yes, that's right. We are reviewing a line. We are returning to the Cellcast Plus, which only our patrons up to this point have actually heard. You're welcome. So yeah, you're not all patrons now, but you, you might think you are. Anyway, joining me tonight is a man who uh, he got a really weird puzzle box in the mail, but he and he couldn't figure out how to open it, so he smashed it with a hammer. Welcome, Jacob. Well, you do, you do what you got to do, right? Plus, I guess. I didn't, I didn't have time to figure that thing out. I had a mystery to solve. Why, thank you. Let me introduce our co-host, a man who simply, oh, good night. He had to invite all of our friends to a mystery island murder mystery. Welcome, Drew. I don't even know where the money from that came from. Oh. I certainly can't afford it on what I, on my uh, on my uh, salary. Maybe he came from the patrons. Who knows? He li- How did we get a hold of that? What do you mean you don't know where the money came from? Oh. As long as it didn't come from Monster Island, I think we're okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because yeah, we no. don't need any of that mess. No. Winters, thank you very much. Cameron Winters. Anyway, also joining us tonight is an old friend of ours who was uh, our, get- our, our co-host or primary host. Are we the co-host and he was the main host? I, I, just, I, just, <laughs> I don't actually remember how that went. But anyway, uh, our previous host on, a previous, on our previous podcast life, Jim. Hi, Hi gentlemen and uh, Jacob. Um, good to see oh, you. Thanks. Talk to you. Um, you know, loving this podcast. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. So nice so to be here. I, I, I did have something written, so I wanted to say it real fast. Oh, I'm sorry. It's, no, you're good. Right, you're good. I just wanted to do this. It's like, why? Thank you. Let me introduce our co-host. A man who, wait, is that a concealed weapon underneath that majestic beard? Welcome, Jim Heron. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've got something, I'm sure, under there if I, if I work. Yeah, oh, yeah, I got a pen. <laughs> of course you <laughs> pen. Go figure now it's in the floor. <laughs> now it's in the floor. Yeah, now it's in the floor. Yeah. So I do want to go ahead and say, for those of you listening, if you hear rain or thunder, that's because it's raining and thundering outside right now. There may even be a tornado. We don't know. We might duck and There's cover. been tornadoes never... going all over the place today. Welcome so, to Texas. Yeah. yeah, welcome to Texas. And, and the Midwest in general. Yeah. And, right. Jim, <laughs> yeah, and Jim is actually sitting in old Studio A right now. Yes, because I didn't have a way to have three people in studio b yeah but it's, anyway it's, it's fancy quarantine they just don't want me in the same room I that's what, we're social yeah, that's di- it that's what we're doing we're social distancing yeah yeah yeah, yeah it's always just a beard away from us <laughs> that's we it my beard would corrupt everything we don't have bronze magic covid cure yeah <laughs> none of us have covid yes yeah that's true maybe I, maybe you I never know. know i have no idea thanks covid everyone anyway. has covid 
Are y'all ready to jump into the spoiler-free section of this? Sure. Sounds good. <sighs> Certified fresh and spoiler-free. Jim, since you're our guest, why don't you start off? Well, okay, so <laughs> you know, the this is this was a really cool uh, movie I wanted to watch a lot because uh, you know I loved the original. Knives Out is so great. Um, you know, it's it's one of the best things uh, Ryan Johnson's done, uh, in my opinion. And uh, you know, it had a stellar cast for the first one, and uh, this one again, we get we get a really good story. Everything works pretty well, and again, it's got a great cast. Uh, you know, so. Uh, definitely a must watch if you haven't seen it yet. And it's on Netflix. So, you know, I mean, if you still pay for Netflix, which sure is overpriced, but it's, uh, it's, it's available. You don't have to go out and buy it or rent it, you know? True. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this is actually my second viewing. Cause I did see it like the weekend it came out, which was Christmas. I mm-hmm. think. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, I remember the first time watching it. Uh, I like knives out. It was, it, it was twisty and turny as uh, so much that I honestly, at some points had no idea where we were going and was happy <laughs> with that. Uh, I know I was a little confused on the timetable the first time through, but at the same time, this is just a great movie. And it's even better the second time when you know, all, know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Jacob agreed. So yeah, uh, yes, this is my first time watching this film. Uh, we did review it on Movie of the Week podcast where oh, us three did Knives Out. Knives anyway. Out. Uh, Knives Out. Yeah, yeah. You can go check that out uh, wherever you you could wherever you view podcasts. I think still right. Yep. Yeah, it's still yes. out. It's, it's still, still out there. there. I haven't looked at it right now. So, I yeah, keep go, paying for it, so it's still there. <laughs> yeah. So go check go check out that uh, get episode. So give give that uh that that old show uh, some love. So yeah. uh, I thoroughly enjoyed this film tremendously. There was so much mystery intrigue and so much nice little twists and turns who are like it's like where is this movie going because mm-hmm. your, your first like 15 20 minutes of this film it's just like what is going on this is great oh my gosh and then it's just like what the heck yeah. <laughs> and it's just these great like again twists and turns that have just like so much dynamic to it and it's like aha i gotcha <laughs> kind of things and it's like it's a great film i love this film to death yeah. be like it's 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 knives out, but with a little more of a twist to the ribs. Yeah. Ryan Johnson writes a good mystery film. Um, he does. Yeah. You know. He knows how to do that very well. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And uh, again, like like I said previously, there it's it got such a great cast. And anything Catherine Hahn is in, I'm I'm in for. Uh, so, you know, have to watch it. I just realized I don't have that thing on the soundboard anymore. Oh, well. Hmm. <laughs> Because she was in something we did recently, and I had I played the Agatha all along bit. Oh, (laughs) Oh, that's right! Oh my gosh, yes. Another thing that might be put in in post, but anyway, there we go. So y'all ready to jump into the full spoiler-filled review for this? Yes. Yes. All right. The following is a spoiler-filled review for the movie Glass Onion. Listener discretion is advised. Glass Onion was written and directed by Ryan Johnson. And uh, do you remember the movie Looper? I remember watching a little bit of it, yes. He directed that, too. It doesn't surprise me. No. It makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. I remember enjoying that one. Uh, getting into the cast, we got Daniel Craig playing Benoit Blanc. And, of course, he was James Bond from Casino Royale to No Time to Die. Shaking, not stirred. 
among other things. Mm-hmm. Uh, Edward Norton played Miles Braun, and he was Bruce Banner in The Incredible Hulk. Mm-hmm. Janelle Monet played Cassandra, Andy Brand, and Helen Brand. And uh, do you remember when we reviewed Ugly Dolls? Yes. You remember the character of Mandy, I think, was the quote-unquote normal human doll that hang, hung out with the ugly dolls? That had the, oh, that yeah, was yeah, imperfect because yeah. she wore glasses. That's right. Yeah, I yeah. think that was Mandy. I could be wrong because there's okay. a lot of, that could have been a number of those dolls. Okay. But anyway, Catherine Hahn was, plays uh, Clara DiBella, and of course she was Agatha Harkness in WandaVision. Leslie... And Doc Ock. Oh, yes, she's Doc Ock. That's what it was. Because we Oh, yeah, that's right. Episode. Thank you. She does everything. She's, she's yes. amazing. Yes, I agree. She's a great actress. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leslie Odom, sorry, Leslie Odom Jr. played Lionel Toussaint, and he was Dr. Arbuthnot in Murder on the Orient Express. Yes. Oh. Which, which ironically was our first uh, Movie of the Week podcast episode. Yes, that's right. It was. Uh, Kate Hudson plays Birdie J. And she was Mei Mei in Kung Fu Panda. Oh, gosh, yes. <laughs> Dave Bautista played Duke Cody, and he was Drax in the in the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. And a wrestler. And knockoff... Uh... Oh, shoot, what is that guy? What's that James Bond character's name with the, with the hat, with the ring in it, metal ring in it? Odd Job? Odd Job, yeah. He Odd was job. knockoff Odd Job in uh, yeah. Spectre. Yeah. I think because I, I say knockoff because they never said he was odd job, but I suspect he was. It felt very much like they were going that direction with the uh, character. Yeah. Uh, Jessica Henwick played Peg, and uh, she played Jess Tester in the Star Wars sequel trilogy. Madeline Klein played Whiskey, and she was Tina in Stranger Things. Hmm. And Noah Segan played Daryl, and he played <laughs> Trooper Wagner in Knives Out. <laughs> I'm not here. <laughs> No, he's not here. Uh, Kingdom Hearts Connections. You want to make a guess, Jacob? There's only one. Oh. It stands out like a sore thumb, if you think about it. Uh, Catherine Hahn. No. Who? Angela Lansbury. Oh, yeah. She played Mrs. Potts in yes. Beauty and the Beast oh and reprised that role for Kingdom Hearts. Oh, yeah. I totally forgot about that. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, <laughs> what do we got at Info and Stuff? Uh, so, Info and Stuff. IMDb is a 7.2 out of 10 available to watch on Netflix if you have Netflix. Produced by T Street Productions. Distributed by, again, Netflix. Release date was September 10th, 2022 at tough uh november That's the toronto international film festival thank you november 2020 20, november 23rd for the united states and netflix that november 23rd that was only in theaters it did not yes. come out to netflix itself until christmas weekend that is true that is so true and they only played oh, it i read four. that wrong i'm sorry they, they only played it for thanksgiving weekend and the closest place to us that played it was in dallas yes which is sad. which is annoying. I would have loved to see. I would have seen that yes, in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat, but not enough to drive two hours, eh. and then pay three times the price I would have here. Ugh. Uh, so box office, it had estimated budget of forty million dollars. Its opening weekend for the United States, and Canada was nine point four million dollars on November twenty seventh. Its U.S. gross was $13.3 million. 
and same for domestic for uh international now because this is netflix that's only the box offices not count yeah what netflix charge because netflix doesn't share their stats no they don't which is annoying yes it is but very, anyway very annoying all right so uh netflix has reported considered a, a new release model for films like uh glass onion which would give the film a 45 day window in theaters uh before it's released on the streaming platform uh it was selected by three of the largest chains in the united states amc theaters regional theaters and cinemark uh, later, the Netflix would have to pre-extend the deal, uh, had a pre-extending deal with. Uh, the film would see a limited one-week run, uh, billed as a sneak peek release uh, from November 23rd to the 29th of that year. Mm-hmm. Probably about 600 theaters in the largest markets around the United States, as well as other national markets, marking the first time a Netflix distributed film would be shown in all three major theater changes in the United States. Glass Onion premiered at the, like Drew said before, the Toronto International Film Festival on September 10th, 2022. It was also screened at the Philadelphia Film Festival that October. Um, uh, Close to the BMI, BFI, London Film Festival on October 26th, and the film festival 919 on October 30th, 2022. The screening, uh, a screening at the Miami International Film Festival as it is opening night on November 3rd, 2023. Or 2022, I'm sorry. It was released on Netflix, like we said before, on December 23rd, 2022. Over its first 10 days of digital release, the film logged in to uh 209.5 million hours viewed worldwide so home release there's no current home release of this film yet from netflix but ryan johnson who's passionate about physical media has talked with netflix but ryan has is in he he is so he has the desire to do a commentary for those who are interested in listening to a commentary over glassing well, so, yeah, yeah. There's, there's no Netflix right now is not interested in doing a release, which is a crying shame because none of the streaming services are really interested, yeah. except yeah. for of all places, Paramount Plus. That yeah. is true. Well, that's because they do Star Trek, and there's so many yeah, Star Trek. They'll make, they'll know they'll make tons yeah. of money off Star Trek. Yes, all the Trekkies. So I, I yes. say, looking at my season two Blu-ray of yes. Lower Decks. Yes, such a good show. Yes, agree. Mm-hmm. All right, so that is how I have for an info and stuff. All right, getting into the summary. During the COVID-19 pandemic in May 2020, Miles Braun, the billionaire co-founder of technology company Alpha, hosts a murder mystery game at the Glass Onion, his mansion on a private island in Greece. He invites five friends, Alpha head scientist Lionel Toussaint, Connecticut governor Claire DeBella, controversial fashion designer and model Birdie J, men's rights streamer Duke Cody, and ousted Alpha co-founder Cassandra Andy Brandt. The five friends are delivered a wooden puzzle box to decipher to find the invitation inside. The five travel to Miles' Island along with Birdie's assistant Peg and Duke's girlfriend Whiskey. Famous detective Benoit Blanc joins them, although Miles says he did not send Blanc, uh, did not invite Blanc. He allows Blanc to stay, assuming another guest sent him an invitation as a joke. Before dinner, Miles shows off his valuable glass sculptures, as well as the Mona Lisa, which he has on loan from the Louvre. 
Miles also reveals that the mansion is powered by Clear, a hydrogen-based alternative fuel that Alpha will launch imminently, despite Lionel and Claire's concerns that it is untested and dangerous. Blanc solves Miles' murder mystery game immediately and privately warns Miles that his guests have motives to kill him. After an argument with the rest of the group, Andy storms off, Duke, Duke dies after drinking from Miles' glass, and the panic group suspects Andy of attempting to poison Miles. The police are summoned but will not arrive until morning. After the group discovers Duke's pistol is missing, a power goes out and everyone splits up. In the dark, Blanc finds Andy, but an unseen assailant shoots her. Blanc gathers the group uh, Blanc gathers the group and announces that he has solved Andy's murder. An extended flashback then shows that Andy actually died a week earlier, apparently by suicide. Her twin sister, Helen, hired Blanc to investigate. At Alpha, Andy has halted Clear's development because of its dangerous properties, so Miles has had her removed as CEO. His case was aided by their friends perjuring themselves to testify that Miles had single-handedly sketched out the plan for Alpha on a napkin years before. The napkin was actually Andy's work, shortly before her death. She emailed the group a photo showing the original napkin still in her possession. Helen suspects that someone in the group killed Andy and stole the napkin to protect Miles. With Andy's death not yet public knowledge, Blanc persuaded Helen to pose as Andy at Miles' party and help him investigate. Helen helps Blanc discover motives for Miles' friends to protect Andy protect Miles from Andy. Lionel and Claire have staked their reputations on Clear. Miles is financially rescuing Bertie from the fallout of ignorantly employing sweatshops, and Duke hopes Miles will give him a show on Alpha News. Helen discovers that each of Miles' friends visited Andy's home on the day she died. She searches the guest rooms but does not find the napkin. When Helen is shot, Andy's journal in, in her jacket pocket stops the bullet. Blanc fakes her death so that she can search Miles' office. Blanc deduces that Miles committed both murders. He killed Andy after learning he, uh, she had the napkin, but Duke saw him leaving her house in his car. During the party, Duke saw a news report of Andy's death and realizing that Miles was responsible, attempted to blackmail him. Th this prompted Miles to poison him with pineapple juice, to which Duke was deathly allergic, and to take Duke's pistol, with which he shot Helen. Helen locates Andy's napkin in Miles' office and reveals her identity to the group. However, Miles burns the napkin, eliminating the evidence, and his friends refuse to testify against him. Blanc tells Helen that he has done all he can and goes outside. In a cathartic rage, Helen destroys Miles' glass sculptures. Miles' friends watch her and eventually join in. Helen lights a bonfire and throws in a shard of clear. Blanc had slipped her causing the hazardous mural to explode, destroying the mansion and the Mona Lisa. Realizing the painting's destruction will reveal that Clear is dangerous and ruined Miles, the group decides to testify against him. At the beach, Helen and Blanc watch as the police boats arrive. Getting into the trivia for this, one of the paintings in Miles Braun's living room is of Edward Norton's head mm. on Brad Pitt's body from Fight Club, 1999. Yes. A movie still I have not seen yet. I hadn't either. <sighs> have you seen it, Jim? Yeah. Okay. A long time ago. But yeah, it's good. It's weird, but it's yeah. good. The problem is I've already had the ending spoiled, so... Mm, yeah. But then who hasn't had that ending spoiled? I guess if that happens. Read anyone. But uh, anyway. Yeah. Ryan Johnson has stated that he briefly considered a running joke of having Daniel Craig play Benoit Blanc with a different accent each film without any explanation at all, but decided against it. Good call. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because that would have just been odd. Yeah. Dame Angela Lansbury did not know how to play Among Us. Ryan Johnson said she was very patient letting me describe the rules of Among Us up to a point, at which point she just said, you know what? Just tell me what the lines are. I'll trust you. That's great. 
When Netflix bought the rights to the film, a third movie also began development, again with Ryan Johnson and Daniel Craig returning. In an interview with The Atlantic, director Ryan Johnson expressed his frustration over having to add a Knives Out mystery to the film's title for marketing purposes, as he wanted every film to be self-contained, except for Daniel Craig's appearance. Uh, he says, honestly, I'm pissed off that we have a Knives Out mystery in the title, you know? I just want it to be called Glass Onion. He adds, I get it, and I want everyone who liked the first movie to know that this is the next in the series, but also the whole appeal to me is that it's, is that it's a new novel off the shelf every time. However, the subtitle is only used in the film's marketing. In the film itself, the title card just simply says Glass Onion. This is the I mean, final... Sorry? Oh, I was going to say, I mean, they could have just put a Benoit Blanc mystery. See, that's my thought. That that's makes true. much more sense than I mean, It's kind of like uh, Agatha Christie's, you know... Uh, books with Poirot. With, yeah, with Perot. Mm-hmm. So. This is the final film of Stephen Sondheim and Dame Angela Lansbury, who appear briefly in a Zoom video call during Benoit's first scene. Ryan Johnson is a fan of Sondheim's film The Last of Sheila, 1973, another whodunit about a multimillionaire who invites his friends to a party to play parlor games. Diane Cannon's character in that film was an influence on Kate Hudson's character, Birdie. Daniel Craig worked with a dialect coach to regain familiarity with Benoit Blanc's distinctive New Orleans accent. Knives said, uh, Miles says that his puzzle guy was mentored by Ricky Jay. Jay was supposed to be in Knives Out, but died before he could film his scenes. He was replaced by M. Emmett Walsh. However, a photo of Jay is seen briefly stuck to the fridge. Edward Norton's look in the flashback scene at the Glass Onion Bar, where when Andy introduces Miles to the group, was based on Tom Cruise's look in Magnolia in 1999. Hmm. The title, Glass Onion, refers to the Beatles song from the White Album. The song is enigmatic, teasing various myths about the band, about the band by the band, specifically John Lennon, who wrote it, thus fitting as a mystery film's title. Knives Out was also titled after a song specifically, the song by Radiohead from their album Amnesiac. Several key moments and character insights, including who the killer is, really are shown in plain view during the, throughout the movie, just as Blanc says at the end. In the first version of the events, when Birdie is talking about her relationship with Miles, her bag is seen jerking slightly from when Helen threw in the recorder. A moment later, a bit of Helen's dress fabric briefly flutters into view as she takes up the pose that makes it seem as if she's been there all along. The envelope that they are looking for is shown exactly where it is when a character is in the same place as it is in, you know, in the glass onion room. Uh, only nominally hidden twice, even in close-up. Helen holding up a notebook with a page literally spelling out who the killer is, uh, later holding it up with X's next to all the names except one, meaning one thing to her and Blanc, but also reading as an underline of the previous time she held up the notebook where all the X's can be seen, meaning not them. Helen's straight-on approach to the puzzle box, yielding the same result of solving it, only faster. Duke's mom being able to open it within minutes of its arrival, and Bertie decoding absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. The captain straightforwardly describes the dock. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. It's a piece of crap. Yeah. It doesn't work. A secret tryst occurring in the ground floor room next to a, the floor to ceiling window, which faces onto a public pathway. Shaking poplar trees broadcasting exactly when someone is eavesdropping from. The killer steals the gun, hides the gun with matching sound effect, poisons the drink, and switches the drink, all on screen and in real time. 
genius. The killer has the phone, the stolen phone, poking out of his too small pocket with the top visible and its outline pressing against the pocket's thin fabric. And last but not least, the glass onion itself, which is more accurately a domar glow because it has no layers because it is hollow. <laughs> Appears to have layers, but you can see right through it. Yeah, it's yeah. which brings me to the end of my trivia. Uh, Jim, what's your first like for this film? <laughs> well, uh, I mean, obviously it's the cast. I mean, uh, again, like I said, Catherine Hahn being in it is great. Uh, it's got everyone from Daniel Craig, um, you know, the whole band, so to speak. Um, so, uh, you know, as far as likes go, the cast, uh, Daniel Craig, Catherine Hahn, Leslie Odom, who I think is an underrated actor. He's mm-hmm. so good in everything I've seen him in. Kate Hudson's a classic. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I think she had kids and kind of stepped away a little bit for a while. Uh, Dave, Dave Bautista, while not an amazing actor, it fulfills the role he's in every time. Yes. He's, uh, he's always entertaining when he's on screen. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and again, I say not an amazing actor. I don't really know, but could be the roles he's put in, but he always does exactly what he needs to for the role. So mm-hmm. he could be an amazing actor and I'm not giving him enough credit because he's playing, you know, the big dummy. Well, in all defense, he's not, he's pretty much played very similar roles mm-hmm. since he really got into acting. So. Right. And we do see that with great actors a lot of times. Mm-hmm. So it's really hard to tell, uh, but he does uh, an adequate performance and he, he, he really, his character is great for the movie. So yeah. in, in that way, I, I, I don't want to give him any, any knocks. I'm just, uh, he's, he's very talented for, for, and he does exactly what he's supposed to do. Um, I really think uh, as far as, her best performance out of the group is uh, Janelle Monet, though. I love her accent when she's playing Helen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel like just the two characters are so different. Yes, it's agreed, fantastic. I think I think she did. Uh, she was probably the best of the cast, but the cast is phenomenal. That's my I like. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, my first like is all of the foreshadowing at the beginning of this movie with the puzzle box yes. and the game of Among Us, because that is essentially what this is, is a game of Among Us, just acting out. Because, I yeah. mean, everyone is an imposter of sorts. Mm-hmm. Yes. And they all had, have all done like horrible things, but I mean, only one of them actually killed anybody. Yeah. Killed two, two of them. <laughs> and someone who was not the imposter did get killed. But uh, so, I mean, I, I love that. I, lo- I also love the thing with the puzzle box where the puzzle could be easily solved as long as you did it right. But yet it seems complex because of how crazy it is, you know, mm-hmm. and of course, the idea of the glass onion being, you know, it looks like it's complex and layered, except you can see the answer from the very beginning because it's clear. Mm-hmm. I love that. I, I love that imagery, and I love the, how easily, greatly foreshadowed the movie is just from like the first half hour. <laughs> and yeah, that's my first like. Is just is that my first like goes into the big twist that Helen is actually Andy. <laughs> yeah, I. Yeah. I mean, like I did not see that coming, obviously, because they are going to be like watching the film. And it's like what's going on, and then you get this nice little like obviously Andy gets shot. Mm-hmm. And it's like what in the world, and then it just whoop, it there nice, is that nice little twist there, and it's like, oh, that is clever. There's only one part in that where, that I caught only on the second time through. Okay, that actually gives that away moments before the actual reveal. That is true, and Think that's because it, yes. Benoit calls her Helen 
right before she gets shocked. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> that is true. I didn't catch. I'd be like, I was like, Helen. <laughs> I was like, what in the world? Yeah. And then that the 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 nice. And she's using her southern accent in that. Scene. That is mm-hmm. true. Well, you do yeah. see it when they when they do the flashback. Yeah. And, or, or when they do when they uh, show but, that but second. Like, the second right, scene that's after this point that's after the right. reveal that she's actually hella yeah. yeah so mm-hmm. so it's it's this nice little reveal that be like you know not everything's what it seems and you have this um where helen discovers that her sister has been murdered and she hires blunk to to discover who murdered her sister and you get this whole different angle of the story which in the first half of the story, it's you get you realize like, it's very vague of what's really going on behind mm-hmm. the scenes, and then you get this, and it's just like, oh, okay, it turns everything around three six, it turns it like one one ninety, and just gives you everything you need to know about the story, what's right. really going on, fill in all the gaps, yeah, filling every little gap is just genius writing mm-hmm. to a T, and like, like the acting in this in this performance is phenomenal there again i am terrible with names so i apologize uh how do you pronounce her name i apologize uh it's janelle monet janelle yeah. monet at least that's janelle. how i would pronounce it it could be yeah. wrong but that sounds right that sounds pretty close i don't remember janelle. how i said it earlier but yeah. janelle monet it looks like a janelle monet yeah. yeah but uh janelle monet did a fantastic job of playing both these characters like jim said with the uh the the the, the dueling accents mm-hmm. and just genius how she pulled that off and just but like her tr- her performance as andy and as helen is just be like once you realize what's going on you see the difference the way she acts the way she mm-hmm. behaves the way she holds herself the way she holds herself the way that um like when when she's actually playing andy it's a completely different person different character her her movements are different so it's like someone who really really studied how to do some you know two different characters mm-hmm. like genius level kind of just performance and there again i have never heard of this actress before yeah except Excl- she's been she's been on a movie we reviewed before oh <laughs> it was in ugly dolls that's right never mind well i've I, never seen her in a movie i've heard her right right i mean she's I'm in hidden figures in a movie true she's in hidden figures and antebellum and some other yeah. big movies as well Okay. Uh, a lot you of haven't uh, seen Oscar them. bait type mm-hmm. of movies, but which yeah. may be why I didn't see them. But yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. It, I still it, need to watch Hidden Places. I have it, but I keep hearing really, really good Hidden Figures. Yeah, yeah, Hidden Figures. That's what I'm inside. Oh yeah, um, you know, and th- like you were saying, she does really good about keeping the character, except for the little places where she's not supposed to, or yeah. where they're showing that she is actually have- struggling. Like when she's yeah, on the boat and she's squeezing the rail. Uh, you know, yeah, so you yeah. can, which isn't normal to the other character, or you kind of get that impression. Yeah, but they do a really good job of of balancing all that out. Mm-hmm. So, and it's a, the nice little. They're giving you subtle hints to so be like, okay, something's really going on behind the scenes. We just don't know it yet. Yeah, yeah. and uh, they're again that nice little twist where Andy's shot, and then it's like, oh, be like, oh, the uh, the diary saved her, and now it's be like, oh, mm-hmm. okay, this gives you time to do this, and this is like right. genius. Oh yeah, and uses Jeremy Renner's hot sauce to make it yes. look like oh, Daniel my Craig gosh. is crying. Oh my gosh! And oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm oh my god! Oh my god! Oh. <laughs> well, and then that that shot where he's you know he's uh, splashed a bunch of it to make it look like her shirt's bloodied. Uh huh. And you yeah. and she's laying there, oh, you know, pretending just... to be dead, and you see that drop. Slowly. Oh, that drop! Oh, my gosh. The it's drop like, of oh, doom. Not gonna be good. 
Uh, yeah, that was that was scary. Uh, yes, oh, <laughs> pepper sauce well, in your nose is. You knew they would get away with it because we'd already seen the mm-hmm. scene from another angle. Yeah. But at the same time, you're going, this is torture. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, yeah, that is my, my first like is uh, uh, the, the Helen, Ellen, or, uh, Andy. Helen Andy switch mm-hmm. and that whole yeah. uh, reverse of everything to understanding what's really going on with the story. Right. And it's so genius. Yeah. So, uh, my second like, I guess, is where we're at. Um, yeah. Is the ending? I mean, like, just the way it all worked out. I mean, sure, obviously, she's not getting the justice she wants, but uh, it's a, it's a, it's a very good uh, second choice, second option. Mm. Basically, ruin him, and uh, and he does get exactly what he wants. And I love how they tie that in. That his sweet. his name is going to be remembered in the same or be mentioned in the same Mona sentence. Lisa. As the Mona Lisa is so perfect. Um, yeah, like just it was it was such a great ending. And I love how everybody, uh, the rest of the cast slowly starts to go, you know, even before he blow, everything gets blown up, just they're also frustrated mm-hmm. with uh, Edward Norton's character, uh, Miles Braun, um, you know, and all the stuff they've dealt with because they're basically in his, I mean, he's kind of running their lives so they can have all the things they want. Yeah. Uh, but you know that that frustration of uh, of that lack of control and having to do the stuff they have no interest in doing because it forwards his goals mm-hmm. because they're basically lap dogs to him. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's a very sweet moment, uh, uh, feeling wise, uh, at the end when all of this happens and everything kind of turns around on him. Um, and again, uh, Janelle Monet, mm-hmm. her performance at the end is is fantastic. Uh, I, Again, through the whole through the whole movie. So, I my second like is Kate Hudson's performance as Birdie J. Oh, jeez, because <laughs> she is so delightfully ditzy. Yes, yeah. a woman so stupid she doesn't even realize that a sweatshop is not a place that you that that makes, makes sweatpants. <laughs> <laughs> but my favorite scene with her is when everyone else is coming to the realization that she is. Uh, uh, Helen is Andy's sister and not Andy. Oh, yeah. And she is like five <laughs> minutes behind everybody else. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And she goes, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> like, oh, you know, I, you, are a, you are an idiot. She's I, I very, to have to hide a phone, a secret phone from her assistant. Mm-hmm. Yes. But, <laughs> yeah. I very much feel like uh, she, she uh, draws on her mother for this performance, Goldie Hawn. Um, yes because it's a little more silly it's it's very uh-huh. it feels feels very much more like her mom uh yeah, and yeah, you know she does such a great job with it uh you know and i think probably a little bit of that almost famous which was like her her big breakthrough movie um mm-hmm. you know i i do think she she does a great job with it pulling that character together agreed yeah jacob ah my second like my second like would be Edward Norton's character of Miles Braun, as to quote to paraphrase, um, um, so blonde, blonde, be like, you're an idiot. <laughs> it's just like it's dumb, just plain dang dumb. The most original idea that you had for this tonight's murders, and you stole it from me. Yeah. But like his his performance, Edward Norton's performance as Braun 
is I'd be like his facial expressions are just priceless. Like I'd be like you the the point where it's like he realizes like like oh crap oh crap oh crap to paraphrasing what he's saying he's like be like oh I'm going to make this special speech and then whoop, power goes out yeah and it's just this this like his his character's motivation is be like I'm trying to get as much as I can and I'm not I'm not the brightest bulb in the world but I'm smart enough to do it but I don't have the intellect to do everything I need to and not completely branch things out but it's this the 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 guy who thinks he's got everything twisted up in a nice little bun mm-hmm. and is it's just it's it's so genius but it's so stupid <laughs> to to the point where be like he he's genius enough to destroy evidence but he's not gen- he's not he's not bright enough in order to realize that Helen has him over a rope yeah. with the with the clear with the clear and it's just like when LeBron just like hands it to her and i'm like oh crap that's gonna get good yeah <laughs> so incredibly genius because like yeah be like I, I i really can't do anything be like it's out of my hands, hands. and it just hands her the silk the the uh the clear and it's just like when he does that it's like what is gonna happen and the the whole point where helen's destroying everything and then everybody gets involved it's literally just sets up this beautiful beautiful ending of this film where his character is completely ruined and like we said before be like be like he's remembered in the the, the same breath as the mona lisa which is it's, all he wanted that's all he wanted and he got it <laughs> and with with the twist of his 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 quote-unquote friends be like turned on when they realize hey we're gonna destroy the process why don't we just burn him you know you know, allow him to burn further. I just realized that Miles Braun technically had a Pyrrhic victory. He technically got what he wanted, yeah, exactly. with, with everything else burning down around that him. That is true, <laughs> including is, what, including the Mona Lisa. That is true. Oh, as like as a as a, a an artist myself, when when the oh. Mona Lisa was burning itself, now granted, knowing it's a fake, it's not the real Mona Lisa. I was like, oh, just watching it burn. It's just like you want to know more fun. What's that? They actually did the research enough to know that the Mona Lisa is not painted on canvas, but on wood. And it actually burns like wood. It does burn like wood. That is clever. There again, genius level writing here. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's my second like. Well, I mean, at least at least it's not like uh, uh, what was the movie? The it's the one it's it's uh, where all the actors are out in the woods in a snowstorm. Um, I can't remember the name of the movie. Uh, Someone will think of it later. Uh, but it's got Sam Jackson and uh, a bunch of other people I cannot think of one? at the moment. No, no. I'm so not. basically in the in the movie there's a guitar they take get on loan from the Smithsonian and then uh the scene there's a scene where a guy smashes it. Oh. So, but they don't swap it out and yeah. he oh, smashes yeah. the real uh, thing. Yeah, he smashes the real ten, thing. Ten ten I want it's not ten angry men. Ten something or nine something. I think it's I know, ten. I know the movie you're talking yeah. about. I don't remember the name. Yes, it's a great I movie. I actually watched it, but uh, but yeah, there's a scene in there where that happens. So luckily, they didn't actually borrow the Mona Lisa. Not that they could. Yeah, <laughs> you know. would not have let them. No, no, they're not that nice uh, when it comes to things like that. Um, right. So I guess it's time for my third like. And uh, this one, actually, I uh, actually uh, oh, I forgot to mention we're only doing two likes yeah. in this. Oh, sorry. sorry. Okay. Oh. The, well, if you have a third, I guess you can go ahead and say it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I was, I, three was too much almost to me, uh, but I, I wrote down a couple. I was like, 
the honorable mentions should be obviously yeah. like honorable the, mentions are allowed. The uh, the the soundtrack is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Anytime I get harvest accord in a movie, I'm happy. Mm-hmm. Um, plus, Beatles music is always good. The costumes were phenomenal. And again, Janelle Monet was really so good. I really wanted to give her one, but I was going to say that Well Written was my third one, just because again, the basically the concept of the the way that he does a mystery, Ryan Johnson, is basically like an onion because he does like, oh look, there's this mystery. Oh my God, who did this? And then next thing you know, he goes and shows you most of it, and you're like, okay, I know exactly what's going on. And then it's like, nope. I still really have no 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 idea what is what's happening. So I really kind of love his his way of doing it between Knives Out and this one. Mm-hmm. It's really good about uh, using flashbacks as a tool that's not just let me give you all the information that you should have known. He still does uh, still has the breadcrumbs along the way. Mm-hmm. It's not just the flashbacks. It's it's a really good uh, balance. Yeah. Uh, so just more clarification: the movie we're thinking of is the the uh, the Hateful Eight. Hey, oh, Hateful Eight. Yes. Hateful Eight. That's the movie. I, I did see that and I didn't like it. It's a, I, it's yeah. a Quentin Tarantino movie. I haven't well, seen it yet. But... Quentin Tarantino is so hit and miss uh, for yeah, me. Agreed. But he does a lot of great stuff. It's just he also does a lot of stuff I'm not a fan of. And a lot of that's just based on uh, preference. So it's. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, if I was to throw in a uh, like a bonus, mm-hmm. I would go with all the, uh, the, uh, the little cameos throughout the oh, entire yeah. film with Ethan Hunt. Uh, Ethan Hawke to uh, Hugh Grant to obviously the late and great uh, Angela Lansbury to like all these amazing actors mm-hmm. who just show up who and probably th- needed something to do while they were on COVID leave. <laughs> yeah. That's true, but it's I mean like it's so well done. They just kind of throw these little little cameos of really well known actors and actresses. Oh yeah, genius. And there again, it's Angela Lansbury's last performance, mm-hmm. and it's yeah. just it, it's just it make gives that little. The, the top of the cake with this film. It's like, oh my gosh. Yes. You have any- oh, Yo-Yo Ma-, Yo-Yo Ma was in it. I didn't even notice. Yeah. Yo-Yo Ma. Yeah, he was the one that told uh, told them about the the music being the fugue. That's technically a... <laughs> that's uh, right, yeah. Okay. A, puzzle in itself, a musical puzzle. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I loved... I like uh, Natasha Lyonne, um, who's, uh, who does like Poker Face. She was in Orange is the New Black. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's a really good actress. Uh, she was on during the uh, when they were talking about um, the game. She was in that scene, but yeah, Hugh Grant and it was it was really surprising to see him in such a minor role as well yeah. too. Because I don't think I've ever seen him in anything that was minor. So, right, yeah. Anyway, yeah. y'all ready for dislikes? Yeah, let's go and dislikes. Yes. Jim, go ahead and give us your first dislike. Edward Norton. Uh, I'm just putting that as a blanket statement. I don't like oh, Edward yeah, Norton. Fair. fair. Uh, <laughs> So I mean, yeah, not I, a I, character you're supposed to like. Well, no, I mean just the it, okay. So I think his acting was okay. I, I don't think it was a bad job, but I just right. don't like Edward Norton. So seeing him, uh, plus Jeremy Renner, I don't like him as a person, but I did like his hot sauce. At least I thought it was a cool gimmick. <laughs> uh, Jeremy Renner is just a big, uh, and you would have to bleep me to finish that sentence. So <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> I'm gonna, but no, uh, really. I mean that was uh, that was my first one. Is really just Edward Norton. I think his. Okay, hold on. Let me make sure. I have three, so let me just take the other one away. Okay, so really, the my that's a joke. So really, my my first dislike is um, I feel like as much as they have such a great cast, 
I feel like they have so many great actors and actresses in this film that are underutilized. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like I love Catherine Hahn and I think she is an amazing actress, but I feel like her role in this is very, not necessarily just that it's minor. I feel like they don't, she doesn't, I don't know if they just don't push them enough for a lot of the minor characters or a lot of the, the regular characters in the film. I feel like they don't get pushed to do more. Um, now, I don't know if, if that's just a personal opinion, uh, but I feel like they have so much potential on screen that in many ways, I think the film could have been even better, as great as it is. Yeah, I agree. But at the same time, you're dealing with a large cast of characters. And I, I understand be like each character had certain spotlights they yeah. were given. But yeah. it's just like when you're dealing with such a like tight script, but like you can't give like every character, actress, actor, like the the big shine that they need because mm-hmm. they're such a great great actor or actress. Plus, sure. her character in this was primarily a politician, right. and there wasn't much need for politicianing in the politics in the film. True. I mean, sure. the scientist has the same. Uh, yeah. Uh, Tassant has the same problem, mm-hmm. but at least he can go and say, yeah, this thing's horrible and it's going to destroy everything. So he's got a bit, a bit bigger part in the story, but mm-hmm. yeah, literally it feels like Catherine Hahn's character's whole point is to, you know, just start everything off and she just keeps being there. Mm. Right. Right. And again, that's my point. I'm, I'm not saying that uh, it's again, this, the, everything's done pretty well. I yeah. feel like they have big names and I think it's mainly because they're trying to say any of these great actors or because classically you would have a good actor, like on TV, especially you have a good actor come in and play the villain in a mystery show. So oh. by throwing in 10 great actors or whatever, mm-hmm. there's anybody could have done it, which I think is, is what yeah, they try to do. And see, that's the thing is you want to actually have a large cast of people in a whodunit. Mm-hmm. So you're going, well, maybe this person had a reason right. for doing it. Maybe this person had a reason for doing it. I yeah. don't think they interwove her into that as well as either uh, 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 Toussaint or uh, Birdie. Because I think they had, it was much more, I could much more easily see them actually being involved in the murders. Oh, for sure. And then, of course, Miles. But mm-hmm. yeah, she just like, that just, it may, to quote her, it didn't make sense for her to be there considering she was going to be there with, uh, you know, a men's rights activist that would definitely get her in trouble right after you blow up the world. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> so, it, and again, breaking COVID rules. And again, so, the movie's I mean, over two hours long. So again, it's, yeah. they, they, they used all they could space wise. So yeah. uh, it's kind of just a minor complaint, but that's, yeah. that's really what it is. I'd love to read a book version. Right. So, as much as I understand the, the, the extended flashback scene, I kind of hate that it means the movie starts over halfway through the movie. <laughs> true, very true. I, I'm, I'm go. I'm thinking you could have entered in my mind. A lot of the scenes at that point where we're seeing um, Helen uh, overhearing stuff, I thought you could have interwove that into the main story and like cut that second half down mm-hmm. a bit and just show her how she's getting in there and um here overhearing these things without actually overhearing some of this stuff for the first time granted that may not have told the story as well it's just to some degree for me i hate that it feels like halfway through the movie it starts over well it is it but is the exact same part of the point because it's referencing the fugue from the music box that had mm-hmm. to be sure. played on top of itself in order to get the full song well, it's also the exact same gimmick from the first movie. 
They Except literally the first did that movie did, did min, min, small flashbacks intermittent with the main story. It didn't well, they, halfway they, and then restart. When they reveal the uh, how the how he died in the original, they 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 you had already gone through. Oh my gosh, he's dead! All these things are going on, yeah. and then it flashes back and he shows the death at that point. So it kind of has. Again, it's kind of the way he weaves these mysteries. It's very much so, okay, big mystery. Okay, let me show you almost everything. Now you know what's going on, but you really right. don't. And then they add a couple the, more. The difference, though, in how he did it in Knives Out versus this is in Knives Out, it was uh, investigation, flashback, investigation, flashback. Mm-hmm. It, the flashbacks would always recontextualize everything you were seeing in the investigation and sometimes recontextualize the stuff you were seeing in the flashbacks because some of the flashbacks took place mm-hmm. after that came after were before the other ones. This one, it's half the movie. It feels like it's one a straightforward uh, story. And then we flash back to the beginning of the film and then see it from an entirely different angle. Yeah. Like I said, I get that that's how that I, I like the use of flashbacks. Just I feel like this half and half instead of little by little, like the first one did. Granted, I don't want it to be told the same way. Don't sure. Yeah, I, I like that they just, I like I'm, that they I, changed it up when they yeah. did it. So. Well, and that's how I like that part too. It's just I kind of wish it had been maybe done differently instead of it feeling like it started over halfway through. <laughs> well, I mean, I would, I would state. I don't know that, a better way to word it than that, but sure, I would state that it is in a, a very different way than most people do the flashback scenes, mm-hmm. because usually you don't get such a big long flashback. Every once in a while, this has been done. I'm not saying it hadn't, but it's right. not as common for you to get a quarter of the way through the movie or whatever, and then to go all the way back to the beginning and literally go all the way back to the, where we were. So now I will say that that is a nitpick on my yeah. Part. For for sure. I don't care. I'm looking for stuff to dislike about this film. So, yeah, yeah. I'm going to admit to you right now, both my dislikes are nitpicks. So yeah. I feel that. I feel worth. that. Jacob. All right. So mine would be Duke's gun. And this, this is again, this is a nitpick beyond belief. So I, I, I kept wondering because like Duke pulls out and shoots it. He's been in the pole. And I know it's more of a gag. The gun's a gag. I get it. There's no way that thing would not have jammed by the end of that film. <laughs> jammed or locked up or whatever. I understand, like, the gun itself is a gag. I get yeah. it. But at the same time, I'm thinking more like, okay, it's like, yeah, the gun fires. And then he sticks it in the, uh, the uh, his holster. He sticks it in his holster. He swims with it. He fires it off. The gun is stuck again in water at some point. And it's just like, I'm like... This gun would not fire at all. No. <laughs> Unless it was extremely modified, it was it's not going to fire. And good night, how much ammunition did he bring? Yeah. <laughs> Even the if right amount blanks just to make noise. I mean, you still have to put something in there. <laughs> well, I mean, I will <laughs> say like I, it was slightly irritating, but I understand why that. There's just I like, mean, it was irritating. They have magazines that come with some pistols that hold 15 rounds. Yeah, that's I get that, and he didn't shoot more than I think ten shots throughout yeah. the entire film. No. But you get kind of the feeling he just will randomly go out and just shoot his gun for no good reason, just because he's a man. <laughs> well, you know, it is uh, it is very Dave Bautista is Yosemite Sam. Yeah, that is true. That is so true. So here's another question: Just trying to gear again. I've only watched the film once already. So do we ever see Duke's gun again after it's seen in the flashback where um um Bar- Braun uh 
hides it? Do we see the gun ever again? Af- after he shoots uh, Helen. Yeah. He just drops it. Chronologically. I don't, he, he drops it on the ground and nobody ever goes back and picks it up. Yeah. yeah because it's behind of, that glass in that section. Yeah. Yeah. He throws it in a glass, but at the same time, be like, just thinking, be like, this gun is so pivotal in so much of the story. Yeah. It's, the like, smoking, it's literally the smoking it's gun. It's a smoking gun. You think but, they would have brought it back in some well, capacity throughout the film. Well, there's but no the need to because there's going to be an investigation. True. Yeah. Well, there's no need to because uh, Duke is dead. Um, yeah, and true. so they don't they don't need to go find the gun because yeah, obviously it's his. And then by the time we get to the point that everybody's gathered together and all the information shows up, we know who did it. I mean, they yeah, give. Yeah. I mean, it, it gets there really quick. And once we know, they don't need the gun. You know, it, it wouldn't help them anyway because they. I mean, no one in the room has a gun. So that if hadn't had Norton's character Braun brought the gun with him, that would have changed the dynamic up. But hunting for the, the, the stream froze. Yeah, say Sorry. that again. What? Did you back up because the stream froze? Okay. Uh, where? <laughs> you were talking about the gun. Okay. So basically, uh, there's no need to get the gun because, again, by the time, uh, you know, uh, it's shot, we already have Duke dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and Braun, once he's, once they all gather back in the room, it's really quick before it gets into the hole. Once we know Braun has done it and yeah. all of that, because. I agree. Right. So I mean, there's not a lot of need for it. Had had uh, Braun brought the gun with him, it would have dramatically changed the movie, obviously, because then he could have started shooting people. Um, yeah. But uh, I, again, I, I don't think there was any need to go back for it. I and no one else knew what it was. The only other thing I can think of is maybe it might have been put away for safekeeping because the killer's fingerprints would have had to have been on it, which would have been bronze. But how do you yeah. do that where it makes sense in the story perspective? Well, yeah, because or because there's no where it is, and it just never comes back up in the movie. Yeah, because they have no they have no evidence to prove that he did anything wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so, literally no evidence. Especially since the one he shot didn't die. Yeah, yeah. So or that time anyway. Fair. Yeah. Right. Anyway, uh, Jim, what's your second dislike? Um, let's see. Uh, I think it's Benoit Blanc. Uh, and again, it, this is nitpicky. Uh, I agree oh. very much. So. <laughs> Otherwise, it's I missed it in theater and I'm sad about that. Uh, but really, I feel like there's a little too much silliness with the character at times, I feel like. And I don't know if that's just, I don't know why, but it felt like it was a little a little bit too much at times for uh, for Benoit Blanc. Um I mean, I, I get he's he's weird. He has his his uh, his things, but I felt like they they made him a little silly. I, I did like a lot of the stuff he did. I liked when he was explaining how everything happened like normal. Uh, it, it was very good, but I felt like he was just a little too silly at times. And I think uh, I, it, I have a defense. If you're curious, <laughs> my defense is is that Benoit Blanc had been cooped up in a bathtub for two months. Sure, and that is true, and was excited. For getting to actually get out and solve a mystery, a murder Absolutely. mystery, and he may have just been too much of a kid in a, in a toy store kind of a thing. Yeah. yeah, and that's probably true. I just, like I said, I just felt like it was a little too much. I got that uh, as an idea. I got that he was excited, like, like literally when he explains the whole murder mystery game yeah. right away. Yes. You know, it's because he's just super excited. However, he also has an ulterior motive. So yes. you know. Uh, yeah, I mean, I got that part, but I felt like he was just a little too silly, uh, and the accent is a little off. I feel like at times a little weird, 
But yeah, Daniel Craig does a great not, job okay. of it. I'll admit his accent is not as good mm-hmm. as it was in the first film. Yes. My second dislike, and this is definitely a nitpick, is the hourly dong. That is the most annoying sound I think I've ever heard in a movie. <laughs> Did you not watch The Dark Crystal? I'm just saying. I watched The Dark Crystal. Yeah. This is the more scree, annoying. The scree is worse than that. Uh, it didn't just... We reviewed the Dark Crystal. I didn't find the scree that annoying. We, it even became a like a a sound clip for a time. I, oh, I, I, was, mm, yes. I literally tried to watch that movie as an adult, and the scree their their noises got me out of it. I was like, nope. Oh my gosh, I'm done. Yeah, but no, that sound of when you when you least expect it, the dong. Yeah, it's like. Even if you paid a lot of money for that, you'd shut it off after a while. A little bit. <laughs> and excluding the midnight 10 minutes of darkness. Yes. There is absolutely no point to it. And I mean, they could have done that with a clock or one dong. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I felt like it was, I agree. I felt it was too much. It was unnecessary. Yeah. But Plus, it, plus can you imagine being asleep on that island at three o'clock in the morning <laughs> and get woke up by a dong? Like yeah. really, but it does give you the indication like the hourly what's going on because you're dealing with like you know they're on that island for like what eight hours eight nine, about about nine yeah. to twelve hours, so okay. it gives you more indication like how many hours they've been on the island. Now, great, yeah. you don't hear it, like all twelve hours. Then. No, but it's just like of all the chime things you could use for a chime, mm-hmm. I would have been much more up for just throwing in the uh, the. I don't know the, the the law and order gong noise over this dong dong yeah that or uh the the, the sound effect from uh, that movie uh inception the gong that would have been better than the this weird guy going dong with a gong behind him yeah i mean like a classic gong would have been better yeah yeah just a gong yeah so like that's what I, I mean that because that's an eclectic joseph, i think it's joseph gordon levitt doing the voice of the dong it is, is it really because it's like quote he's tight the name his name in the script in the oh it does i was wrong I, I saw him on the imdb page and i'm like what did he even do i don't remember him being in it and i didn't read the name on it and it's literally yeah. hourly dong hourly dong it's like he had he came in for five minutes he he did that over skype oh yeah <laughs> easy probably he literally phoned it in (laughs) i can just see someone mr Uh, levy we need you to come to the sound studio to record a dong noise (laughs) we're going to use over and over again Again? (laughs) i wonder how many takes it took him i'll be good because he's only got to do it once he's only got to get one good take yeah i see or or they could have made him record each one individually for the variants i didn't notice so i don't know no it's it's the same sound effect but i could see him then saying okay we, uh, try it this way, but in a different style. Now, do we it need this more way feeling. in style. Yes. <laughs> 30 different versions of Kong. You... It's like I am Groot. <laughs> well, except those are all different. Yeah, they got to be different. They got inflections. I don't think there's inflections in there's the There's no inflection the on the hourly dong. That is true. That is true. But it's saying the same thing over and over and over again. <laughs> I have Either to keep one. telling myself, keep it family friendly, guys. I'm just saying. That's... Believe me, that thought <laughs> crossed my head, too. Jacob? <laughs> oh, shut the dong up. 
Yes. What is your second dislike, sir? <laughs> okay, so my second dislike uh, would be it's the, again it's nitpick. Give us a freaking physical media movie part of this movie, <laughs> please! Oh my gosh! Like I, I, I bought one of us had out for the review for our with the, the previous show, and it's just like again I, I'd be like I know I'm a physical media guy. I know Drew's a physical media guy to an extent. Yes. I know your physical media. I've seen your your movie your, your movie shelf. Yeah, really, it's, it's those. It's that thing that's like when you're a, when you love physical media. It's like you can you don't have to go and go online and find it, but it's just right there. It's physical, and yeah. the fact that like Netflix is they've been in negotiation with Johnson, but they're not going to do anything with it. Just give us the Blu-ray. That's all we want. <laughs> As as someone who's been waiting for like four years for them to continue releasing the seasons of Archer, uh, I you you just don't understand how rough it can get. I so I used to, I used to buy every season of Archer when it came out and binge watch the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Now I have to watch it on Hulu with commercials if I want to watch it. So I haven't for like the mm-hmm. last three or four seasons. I've just went. I'm waiting on the physical copy, and they haven't announced when they're going to start releasing them again, or Ooh. if they're going to. Yeah. It makes that me sad. Sucks. Yeah. Yeah, because I have half of them on already on DVD. All right. So, we have anything else before we jump into ratings? Um. Oh. Okay. So there is a fantastic line in this movie that I had to jot down the moment I heard it. Uh, and Benoit Blanc is talking to Birdie um, uh-huh. when she's talking about how she's just going to say the hard truth. And he says, it's a dangerous thing to mistake speaking without thought for speaking the truth. And yeah. that is yeah. such a great quote. It is. Uh, it needs to be on on billboards. It needs to be everywhere because so many people think they're just a truth person and they just don't think first, you know? Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. It, it's hey, can, so, you send me, can you send me that quote, please? Uh, yeah, I'll send it. I'll post it in the chat or something Maybe if that helps. I wish you that. Or is it easier for me to text it to you? Just, just text it to me. Okay, I'll do that later. Would be great. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. All right. All right. Awesome. So why don't we go ahead and get into our ratings? Uh, Jim, what are you rating this on a five star yeah. uh, scale? Because our cell, our Cellcast Plus episodes are going to be on the five star scale because it's different. Do we get half and quarter stars? Oh, I froze up. Yeah, that's fine. You can do half stars. Yeah, half okay. stars. That's half stars. To, uh, yeah. Okay. Actually, I was going to go ahead and do quarter stars because that would equal the twenty point scale, so it's easily calculable. Okay. Fair. Okay. So I'm going to give it four and a quarter stars. Um, do you want me to explain why now, or whatever? go ahead? Okay. I, I think it's a great movie. Uh, I watched it. Uh, I watched uh, Knives Out uh, the night before last. I watched it last night just to make sure it was fresh. Uh, I don't think it beats Knives Out. I think Knives Out is a it's a great movie, and it, I think it's a little better. But they're both so good. Um, uh, again, the cast is amazing. I, I literally uh, can't imagine it being much better. Again, like I said, as a nitpick, maybe they could have utilized people, but the movie would have had to been three or four hours, uh, <laughs> you know, to get there. I think uh, Janelle Monae's performance is Oscar worthy, um, you know, and I really think it was just such a great, even, even, I mean, I think everybody, even Edward Norton, who I don't like, I think he did a great job with this. Um, I think the, the writing is phenomenal. 
I like the way they layer everything. Again, it fits with the whole theme of the movie, uh, but it was all there from the beginning. You know, you just had to be looking in the right spots. It's not that deep, but the way they put it all together with that mystery is really cool. Um, again, Ryan Johnson is fantastic at, at this, even if you don't like a Star Wars film. Um, <laughs> definitely don't just avoid him because some of this right. stuff is his work with uh, Knives Out and Glass Onion are amazing. And again, mm-hmm. four and a quarter stars. I don't want to give it too much because I feel like it's got little faults in there, but uh, four and a quarter, if, if it wasn't that, it'd be four and a half. So, right. I'm giving it four and a half, actually, because I mean, the things I have against it are very much nitpicks. It's not a perfect film. It's just there's not. It's hard to really say outside of those nitpicks what really to mark against it, other than Knives Out is a better movie. So yeah, yeah, four and a half stars. Uh, for me, also it's gonna be four and a half stars. It's a genius level like writing, directing story that gets you hooked, and it's. It is a beautiful sequel to Knives Out. Be like, yes, it does have its flaws. Be like, there are nitpicks to the film. And be like, so it is a, like, again, genius writing when it comes to mystery and Mm -hmm. solving the whole thing. But, yeah, four and a half stars. Yeah, definitely go watch it if you have Netflix. It's genius. And give us a freaking physical copy. Thank you very much. All (laughs) righty. Jacob's angry. I can tell. I can tell. <laughs> Next week, we're not actually having an episode because it's Easter. Yes. But the week after that, we are going to be coming back with Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs as our next ah. movie. So keep an eye out for that. Yes, we are going back to the first real animated film. Ooh, this is going to be fun. Especially since I don't think I've ever actually seen the original film. What? <laughs> Misa say what? <laughs> I... In my defense, <laughs> it is a Disney princess film. Agreed. Not exactly Indeed. the top of my to watch list. Yeah, ag- agreed, <laughs> agreed, agreed. Jake, you're an right, artist. As an animation nerd, I probably should watch it. Yeah. So that I at least can say I watched the very first hand. It does have dwarves in it. Huh? And it's got tons of Kingdom Hearts connections. But anyway. There you go. There's your reasoning. <laughs> I just hadn't gotten around to it. It is a movie I'm putting on the list. So yeah. there is that. There you go. So, yeah, uh, I'm going to go ahead and play us the intermission bumpers. And on the other side, we'll get to talking about uh, news, what we've been watching, perhaps a small interrogation, possibly, and then accident. All right. This podcast is a proud member of Culture Box. Whether you enjoy geeky reviews, comedy, or original fiction, you can open up the Culture Box and find something excellent for your soul. Point your web browser to culturebox.media. This week, we suggest checking out the Untold Podcast, which is a speculative fiction podcast using the genres of sci-fi, fantasy, and horror, among others, in order to engage the culture's imagination from a Christian worldview. Every month, Nathan James Norman produces and narrates a new story presented in a unique and dynamic way. Check out the Untold Podcast at theuntoldpodcast.com to listen and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. The Cellcast would like to thank the following patrons, Ashley and Francisco Ruiz, Book of Gaming, PaulJPowers.com, and Melanie Dubois. To get your name on the show plus uncut episodes, early access to the Cellcast plus reviews and special art from Jacob, please donate to us on Patreon. So guys, 
I have a question for both of y'all. What have you been watching? I'll start with Jim. Oh, wow. Uh, what have I been watching? Uh, movies or everything? Everything. Yeah, anything. Oh, gosh. Everything is the answer. Um, I just watched All Rise. It's a TV show. It's, it's, it's you know, it's pretty good. It's a, it's a court show. Um, I watched, uh, let's see. I just caught up on The Mandalorian. Nice. For the season, which is always great and a must watch. Probably the best thing in Star Wars. Um Let's see. I'm up to date on all the Marvel movies, and uh, I, you know, I watch a lot of uh, random TV when I get the opportunity to. So uh, I, I spend a lot of time on Hulu, and uh, yeah, just a little bit of everything. I mean, uh, as far as animated stuff, what have I watched recently? Um, I think I watched something. Re- oh, X Men stuff. I do watch that from time to time, and uh, I'm trying to catch up on that so I can. When the new season comes out, I'll be ready for that. Right. Uh, yeah. Admittedly, that might be part of the reason we're going through it on the animated series. You know, I had a feeling. <laughs> uh, Jacob? All right. So uh, I started watching a film in which I know me and Jim watched in the theaters uh, years ago, Batman and Robin. Fun on And then uh, the one with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger in it. Yeah. Everyone freeze. <laughs> Have you uh, ever heard the proverb revenge is a dish best served cold? Well, put on your Sunday finest. It's time to feast. (laughs) That's not a good Arnold impression. I'm sorry. I I, I watched it on HBO, HBO Max because I just I I have the DVD somewhere. I just can't find it. So I'm watching this film and I I know. Oh, my gosh. I couldn't get through 50 minutes of this film. I mean, I'm sad to say, but I, I tried watching it. And it's like, oh my gosh! Was, so you didn't even get to Uma? No, I barely got to her. I mean, like she was on screen. It's like, okay, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I, mean, I know I'm, some people love Batman and Robin. I, mean, I get it. I like it, but not for the reason the director wants me to. Yeah, it's a throwback, huh? It's a throwback to the Adam West style, which is what's great. Like that, and fun. Mostly, it's just. Oh, look at them being so stupid. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's still the, the best Bane we have. I mean, the best movie with Bane in it from all the live action. Yeah, that's the Bane. You know yeah, as well as I do that Dark Knight Returns literally lifts a plot point from Batman the movie 1966. Yeah, the Dark Knight Rises is garbage. But anyway. Anyway. <laughs> that's neither here or there. Uh, so, to cleanse my palate. Uh, there again, I'm going to have to go back and rewatch this film again. Uh, but they're going to be like, I remember watching this in the theaters. It's like, okay, that was a pretty good film. That was an okay film. And then watching this time, I'm like, mm, no, sorry. Sorry. Sorry, Schumacher. I'm going to walk off for a little while. Thank you very much. But uh, so I decided to, uh, there again, this was a show that I watched when I was a late teenager mm-hmm. uh, in Yuyasha. <laughs> ah, it's a good show. Uh, sit, boy. I, don't do that. <laughs> Either or, are you are you watching on Netflix or Hulu? Netflix. See, the problem with Netflix is they only have the first two seasons on there. No, they have all. They have up to I think season six now. And oh I think wow, they're all on Crunchyroll. Yeah, I was gonna say you could watch them all on Hulu. I knew, uh, but commercials uh, unless you pay for the extra. But I knew yeah. on Netflix, I rewatched the first two seasons, but that was all they had. Uh, yeah, it's been about a year ago. Like season five and six, I believe. Nice. I could be wrong, but it's up to five and six, five or six. But uh, 
yeah, really enjoy the storytelling. It's a really, really good story. You're trying to catch up so you can watch Princess Half Demon, aren't you? Uh, no. You don't but know what that is. I know what it is. It's a, it's a sequel to the series. But I just, like, I've seen previews to this, and it's like, eh, okay. All right. But I just, I was like, okay, I want to watch some Inuyasha. I liked Inuyasha when it was on. Why sure. not rewatch it? Fair enough. Uh, and I, if Francisco is listening, yes, that is red robe and cat ears. But moving on. <laughs> You're welcome, Roy. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that is all I've been watching as far as I can remember. I might think of something like, oh, yeah, watch this. But that's all oh, I can think of right now. I saw Creed 3 in theaters, which was pretty good. How was that? Oh, nice. It was good. Um, I, I, I think they, they got a little artsy at one point. But in general, it's a solid film. Um, yeah, I mean, and uh, I did see Ant-Man, which I guess with also included uh, uh, Kang in it, which is the guy who plays Creed. I can't think of his name all of a sudden even though he's in the news right now, but um, I can't, I can't remember, remember his name either. Yeah. Oh, I'm drawing a blank. I know his name. I just can't think of it. I'm going to have to look it up in a second. Uh, Jonathan Majors. Jonathan Majors. Yeah. Thank you. He's a very good actor and he's really good in Creed three and in Ant-Man. If you haven't seen it, the new one, uh, Quantumanium, uh, very good movie. So it's a good movie. I have issues with it. It's not as good as the first two Ant-Man movies, but it's yeah. good for what it is. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the biggest problems I feel with a lot of people's rating of uh, Marvel films is they expect everything to be the crazy level we got to with, like, Endgame and stuff. Yeah, agreed. And I feel like that's an impossible thing to keep at all it times. Is, I think, yeah. Especially since they're building back up to some of that stuff. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. we're going to get there. I think it takes time. And I know a lot of people don't love all the shows, but I really do love all the shows. My yeah. primary issue with Quantum Mania was that the first two Ant Man movies were both heist films. Mm-hmm. This was not a heist film. Yeah, it was not. That's my biggest issue. And plus, I really don't like how they did Modoc, but that's just a personal thing. <laughs> I think I think they could have just uh, shown his face a little less. Uh, yes, and, if they and, had just kept the metal face, I would have been yeah. fine with it. And then I like I think they should have shown his face because I think it's necessary to the character. Just, but I really. I also didn't like the way he ended as a character. I felt like it wasn't a great way for the character concept. I don't want to get into it too much. Organism designed only for killing. He didn't really. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, They were trying again. I don't know. I I thought it wasn't bad for Modoc. I'll give it points just for even trying it and doing what they did with it. It was close enough um, for me. Uh, It it was a throwback. It wasn't the worst special effect they'd done. Uh, my least favorite part is when a certain Ghostbuster showed up. Uh, I really don't didn't like him in the film. I thought he was he was underused. Crap. Yeah, well, Bill Murray is kind of a weird guy. Uh, yes, I I don't know if he phoned it in or not, but I I didn't like his performance. But it could just be because he comes off kind of as an uh, a, mm-hmm, and uh, you know. So, well, granted, I haven't seen I haven't seen the newest Ghostbusters film. <laughs> And so I don't know if he's if he's in that. I may have I, he may act differently there because he should still be Peter Venkman in that. He, he's in it. He's in it. Uh, it's, uh, but it's, admittedly, Bill Murray, I feel, has been phoning performances in since like the mid nineties. I mean, I loved him in Zombieland. That was good. I hadn't seen Zombieland. Yeah. Also, oh Bill my, Murray's, go ahead. Oh my gosh, you should watch Zombieland. I haven't seen the I sequel. Sadly, Zombieland yet. Oh my gosh, both of you guys, it's literally so good. It's got, I know, it, I know. it's got Emma Stone in it, and which is always a reason to watch. She's good in everything but La La Land. 
So I anyway, La La Land, I think. La La Land is the worst musical I've seen in my adult life. I, I'm, I'm assuming I am thinking of the, the right uh, musical because there were two that came out around that same time, and I, th- I only saw one of them, and I don't remember which one it was. Well, it's her and uh, 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 Mysterio. What's his name? No, was uh, Gosling. Yeah, Ryan Gosling. That's what, not 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 Mysterio. Ryan Gosling, the other yeah, guy. Ryan Gosling. I was like, wait. One of those. Wait, one of those. They, I interchange those two all the time. Yeah, I got your pair. <laughs> there anyway anyways yeah what have you been watching i also watched a superhero movie this week in a theater really yes shazam fury of the gods oh i'm I'm hoping to see that soon it's not bad it's not great (laughs) i've heard better than the first one by some people it was a very fun superhero movie Mm -hmm. it was shazam has always been kind of the most marvel ish of the dc films yeah this thing is captain marvel after all true and they actually, <laughs> they actually make a great reference to that oh funny. in the film but um uh and it is still very much dc's power rangers just like the first one was yeah yeah but uh there, there's just a couple of things that's like eh, they could have tightened that up a little better you know that sort of thing nothing too crazy it was a fun time in the theater i'll uh, I can say that, but it was, it was an okay film. Mm-hmm. It's got the same issues I have with most DC films and that it's some degree trying to take itself entirely too seriously. Yeah, they do that. <laughs> That's been my main issue with like most of the DC films yeah. since the nineties. Uh, <laughs> serious. When yeah. it's done right, it's fine. Like, right. Most of the time it's like, we're serious because we're not Marvel, not because true. we actually have a decent story. Very, very true. Very true. Anyway, yeah. anyway. So, uh, along with that, of course, I've been watching my normal stuff. Got I'm caught up on Mandalorian. I watched another episode of Bad Batch, so I'm two episodes into that now. Of course, I'm still working my way through Geki Sentai Car Ranger. Are you on season one of Bad Batch or season two? I'm on season one. I'm literally on the, just watching okay. the second episode. Yeah, I'm behind on that one, but uh, I haven't well, watched more than you, but I'm behind on it, too. The only reason I'm only this far is I held back on watching Bad Batch until I finished Clone Wars, and I didn't finish that till two weeks ago. So, yeah. Yeah. you Have you watched Rebels? I have watched most of Rebels, but okay. I did not watch the last season, mm-hmm. and basically my, my thought was I'm just going to watch from chronologically up and uh, all the other stuff until I'm re-caught back okay. up, so... Yeah, well, I mean, the Mandalorian that. touches on a lot of stuff in that show, so yeah, and I know I'm spoiled a little on some of that at yeah. this point, but it's it's that's just the risk you take. Plus, I still haven't watched Andor yet, so oh well, you know, I have yeah. my own opinions on that one. Jacob, are you watching the Mandalorian? I I've I've seen. Uh, three... I have been prodding him, but no. What's I, okay? So no, I have no, no, two. I have two brothers that don't watch the Mandalorian. Whoa, wait, it's whoa. it's worse than wait, that, Jim. Wait, he has still whoa. not watched Book of Boba Fett. No, you. But, Okay, so yeah, Jacob on. is behind. Sure, I'll yeah, give him a little more leniency. Daniel hasn't watched Endgame. Yes, I know. Well, that's <sighs> not as bad as, as our old buddy Roy. Oh, gosh. He well, has watched Endgame. Yes. Well, to, <laughs> well to, my defense, to my defense, I have watched The Mandalorian, or I think it was what Drew called it. I call uh, the whole series Grogu and Friends. <laughs> so I've watched up the season two. I have not seen book of boba fett 
Did you just say Bobo Fett? Maybe. That's a, you should draw that, Jacob. Bobo Fett's little little Boba drinks. I'm so waiting for him to do Boba Fett, which is what he was calling. I'm it trying before. not to here. It's Boba, like yeah, the Boba. Tea. Yes, Boba Fett, like the T. Yes, not a not not a, not a, not, a, not a clown. <laughs> wow. Yeah, anyway, yeah, I, I've been watching through those. I th I've watched a little bit more of uh, the original Ultraman show. Uh, other than that, I have that's about what I've been watching. Anyway, oh, and of course we were guest hosting Monday night on a podcast. That's right. That won't come out for a while because that's dates true. behind. Of course, of course. <laughs> on his release schedule, which is fine. Yeah, it happens. Anyway, uh, y'all got anything else before we jump into the news? Um, um, all right. Is everybody? Is anyone else going to go see Dungeons and Dragons this weekend? I'm actually going to see it tomorrow. Hmm. Awesome. I'm excited. Just so I can see how weird it is. <laughs> All right. Going into the news. The Cellcast News with your host, Jacob Heron. Why, thank you, Dila. And so into this week's news, Disney Pixar revealed their newest trailer for the upcoming original anime feature, Elemental, uh, including more the districts of air, air, earth, water. And all we got is we got to add one more to make Captain Planet here. Actually, I was just thinking uh, everything changed when the Fire Nation attacked. <laughs> <laughs> But no, uh, so this this movie will be coming out uh, with a 3D screening option on June 16, 2023. So speaking of trailer releases, Universal Pictures and DreamWorks Animation unveiled the title in full cast for another Trolls movie. Why? This movie uh, being this uh, the the title of this movie. Uh, being trolls band together. We already had a world tour. Why do we have another band? Thing? Because it's like boy band related. Oh, good night. Yeah. Go watch the trailer. If you haven't seen it, it's Justin Timberlake. Cause obviously he's from originally from NSYNC and uh, it's well, and trying to get like, the band back together. And Justin Timberlake is like the executive producer on this series. That is true. That is true. Annoyingly. Uh, so this film is to be released. Uh, this third Alec of this popular franchise will be released on November 17th of this year. Unless there's anything else, I couldn't find anything. Oh, well, I have something. Okay, what's that? I got this from AnimeNewsNetwork.com. Ah. The original live-action film cast returns for Netflix's Scott Pilgrim anime series. Yes. Say what? <laughs> yes. Okay. You've got Michael. The whole cast is returning for for an anime series based on Scott Pilgrim versus the World. I'm assuming ah. it's going to be more based on the original comic. Okay, so that kind of ties back in with Movie of the Week podcast. Kinda yes, <laughs> kinda yes, because they when they made because you, you know when they they the last book wasn't out when they had to, when they were making the movie. Yes, so that's why it has a different ending. Yeah, that's so true. I'm curious to see how they redo it with assuming they do a more telling like the original oh, okay. comic book that's i'm curious if that's I, what they're doing i didn't even be like i didn't even realize they're doing an anime over that 
I didn't see it till uh, I think I saw it yesterday. Was when I oh, saw okay. That. So yeah, if that's everything, unless Jim has something we don't know, Futurama's coming back again. Did you hear about that? Uh yes. Already, oh, no, I didn't hear about that. It's I'm already sorry. had three good endings. It doesn't need to come back. <laughs> well, I mean, everybody likes uh, likes Fry and Bender and Leela and everybody. So I mean, it's a it's a good yes, show. But I mean. It's as every time they've brought it back, it's they've made the show worse. Well, you know, still, but people Same. want it back. If we have to watch, fa- I mean, if Family Guy keeps coming out and The Simpsons keeps coming along, I mean, you know, why not? I mean, they're good. I don't know if they're better than it. So I'm just saying, Futurama was good enough to be allowed to retire. That's all I'm saying. That's true. Of course, they're also supposed to be bringing back King of the Hill for some reason. Yeah. That I I don't know. But I'm anti propane, so you know, that could be why I don't watch that show. <laughs> yeah, you did kind of always impress me as a charcoal guy. Yeah, yeah I am I'm, I'm charcoal or real wood. It's the only way to go. I, I agree with this. And, and be like he be like apparently he's um like he's worthy enough to pick up Mjolnir. Absolutely, I'm worthy enough. I'm a good dude. So Anyway, <laughs> this beard gives me the ability to write for, for those of you in the audio portion, Jim has found one of Jacob's toys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. I'm, I'm playing with his uh, Mjolnir. Anyways, <laughs> uh, I think it's time. Do you, do you have interrogation questions? Yes, I do. Okay, I want to make sure. Interrogation. I like that. I've That's the first that. time he's actually gotten to yes. hear that. Oh my gosh. Because the thing messed up on us when Nate was on here last and we couldn't hear it. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, yes, as normal of our listeners know, that whenever we have a new guest come on or a guest come on in period, we do interrogation or ask them a bunch of questions about animation. So, Jim, being my brother, Jim, James, Jim Bob, whatever you want to call him. Um, so, uh, do you remember the first film animated film you watched in theaters? Land Before Time. Uh, of course. That yes, was, yeah, I would like to think he y'all both knew that. Yeah, yeah, but it was it was more be like he could have remembered something else or something like that. You that's know. true. But that's okay. definitely the first one I remember. Yeah, and that was the first one we went to, I'm fairly certain. So here here's a question that I remember talking to our father about, and it was a movie that I remember watching tremendously for years. And our father saying, no, be like, we never bought that movie. I wouldn't have bought that movie at all. So just a clarification, Jim, did you, do you remember watching or you were having the last unicorn? Oh yeah. We had, we had the last unicorn in VHS. Uh, I think I got rid of it about six years ago. (laughs) Probably. I assume it may have been gone before then, but when I cleared out the VHS tapes uh, last time, I think that was, I don't remember if it was in there or not, but we, yes, we owned it and we watched it a lot because I remember uh, I got to rewatch part of it when I was substitute teaching. Uh, I got to rewatch the first half about six times. So yeah, there again, for, for our listeners and our visual viewers, uh, you can go back to, we've already reviewed in the last unicorn. So go back. We reviewed the last unicorn about two years ago. No, (laughs) it's a, it's a, it's, it's got a lot of great D and D opportunities. I'm just saying as a DM watching that. Yeah. Uh, Admittedly, this voice doesn't work if I don't have the class to talk into to make it echo. <laughs> <sighs> okay, breathe, Jacob. Breathe. 
So, uh, what was your favorite cartoon growing up? And it cannot be Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Well, that's unfair. Um, <laughs> yeah, honestly, honestly, it's a tough one because as much as I love Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and I uh, have, there were, there's a couple that I have to throw into the ring. And obviously Transformers is one of them, even though I feel like the plot for that show was weaker than most. Um, I mean, really probably Batman, the animated series. I mean, we talk about one that defined a lot of, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. it's either that or Spider-Man, the nineties, those two shows uh, probably, probably are the really what made me interested in animated stuff. And definitely what got me way more into comic books um, were those than anything else. Um, so not the real ghostbusters. No, no. no. Okay. Real ghostbusters is good. Uh, but we, I think we only, we had like a, a VHS tape that had mm-hmm. like the Valhalla episode and, and like uh, the Valkyries or something. And then like another one, I think I only saw a few episodes of that. We didn't yeah. get to watch it a lot. I loved, uh, we did get to watch, we'd go to, uh, it wasn't Blockbuster, it was Town and Country Video, I think. Mm-hmm. Right before then we went to another couple of places, but, uh, we used to rent, my parents would rent like the 1960s Spider-Man. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we would rent random stuff, uh. One of the shows I wanted to love a lot and never got to see any more of was Defenders of the Earth. Oh, my gosh. Um, And uh, crap, I just forgot the name of the show. Um, The anime with the the we had we had uh, we had an anime tape. It's uh, and I I usually can bring it up in my head right away. Um, The first episode is amazing. It holds up afterwards. uh, But Jacob, you know what I'm talking about. Um, Robotech? Robotech, thank you. Yeah. Uh, first I episode mean, of Robotech is, is fire. Um, even now, watching it, it's still great. But yeah. it kind of falls off after that when I went back and rewatched it as an adult. But the first one's still still great. We had yeah, to take was, that. I was the and, exact same way. I, mean, yeah. I, I started because I remember watching that first tape because I, I think we got it from Brian, I believe. Might have been, but we it had that, and I think it had it either had a Hot Wheels show or uh, Defenders oh, yeah, of the yeah, Earth. Yeah. Hot Wheels, one of those two. Yeah, I was I actually looked it up. Yeah, um, and then Dino Riders, I think, was one I always wanted more of. But uh, yeah, <laughs> but then there's Biker Mice from Mars. If we want to get yeah. a little later, oh my gosh. but definitely Batman and Spider Man, probably really as far as defining things, uh, Transformers and Ninja Turtles from the '80s. So oh, okay, so being the the uh, the comic book nerd you are. And being someone be like be be my younger brother, uh, this man has a vast, very vast comic collection. <laughs> very you're vast. You're gonna put me on the spot, and I'm gonna be like, I don't remember, Jared. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, I'm referring to animation. So the out of the DC animated movies, I don't know what that universe is called. There's what's 51 called? of them, by the way, in the uh, in the in the original oh. movies. That means they can only do one more, and then they have to stop because it's DC I'm, law. <laughs> well, okay, so I'm uh, I, I'm I'm actually looking at revamping movie of the week podcast, and one of the things I want to do is I want to do a side series that's the 52 weeks of the DC films, literally throwing out all of them in one year because the next one's coming out in the summer, and I'm actually a little behind. I haven't watched all of them, uh, but I own almost all of them already, mm-hmm. uh, and HBO Max has most of them. But I yeah, there's there's about to be 52. So all right, so. Out of all those 52 movies, the ones you have watched, uh-huh. which one is your favorite? That's a hard question. Uh, um, exactly. 
Because there are so many. Uh, because part of me wants to throw out one that's not part of that series, but like uh, Mask of the Phantasm. Uh, because of yeah. talk about something that defines you as a child. Uh, uh-huh. You know, it was such a good film. Um, there were a few that were duds. Uh, the Killing Joke, the second half, is still fantastic. First mm-hmm. half, maybe garbage. Um, God, I don't even know. Um, probably like Justice League War. Uh, or um, Batman Doom, which is a really good one. Uh, yeah, Batman Doom, because it's all about, um, if you haven't seen it, it's basically about Batman and his planning contingencies for everybody and yeah. then those getting used. It's it's really phenomenal. Okay. Uh, but they do a really good job of linking in basically New 52 comics, the series mm-hmm. from the New 52 into those eventually. Um and it's so much good stuff. They have, they have so many great movies. And there's, like I said, I'm quite a bit behind. And there are so many I'm looking forward to watching. I just have to sit down and do it. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's it's literally the only films I buy brand new with any regularity at all. I, I order okay. them before they come out because I, I I want them to keep making them because it's the only thing DC can make very well. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, because we did uh, Batman The Long Halloween yeah. uh, last year. I still haven't oh, seen that one. Year before last, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was year before last. Yeah, I own yeah. both. I have not seen them. <laughs> oh, okay, they're yeah. they're good. They're, they're di- okay. They're good in in ways. They're different from the comic, far as I understand. Yeah. But uh, while it's trying to do the whole Batman animated series vibe, it doesn't mm-hmm. quite get there because you can tell it's digitally animated. Mm-hmm. True. True. So yeah. when it comes to anime anime so what what is the series that you think of first when you think anime i i well okay so as far as the series goes it's dragon ball slash dragon ball z slash dragon ball super um no gt love here no 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 gt love Love. Uh, i only saw like the first couple episodes of gt i just wasn't into it between the mustache and everything else it i watched half of the first season of gt as like Okay, I have lost all sense of respect for what they were doing at this time. <laughs> yeah, um, I will say. I mean, you know, as far as as far as movies and stuff, I think Miyazaki is amazing. Agree, uh, and I love so much of his work. Uh, when with the video store rejects, I, we did um, we went through and watched all and talked about all of his films. Uh, and they're all really good. I think uh, there's the 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 ones most people talk about. Are definitely not my favorites, um, but uh, there's so what there's is your just so many of the Miyazaki's. My favorite. Um, yeah. Let me think of the name of it. Uh, I'm gonna look real quick. I mean, uh, you can describe it. We can probably tell it to you. It's. I think it's first one. with Grave or Firefly. We might have an that's, issue. That's not Miyazaki. Oh yeah, that's right. That's, that's... I saw Takahata. That's right. Yeah. That's yeah. Um, hold on. I gotta look for the name. Um, I mean, I like a lot of them. Like, uh, Totoro is really good. Mm. Uh, my favorite, though, is uh, Nausicaa in the Valley of the Wind. Okay, that's a good one. Yeah, I personally think I prefer Mononoke to that, but I get it. Yeah, not yeah. True. true. I think Mononoke and Spirited Away are extremely overrated and are not. It, honestly, I think they're they're mid films for that whole series. House Floating Castle is better. Totoro is better. Better. Uh, Castle in the Sky, maybe not, but uh, oh, I loved Castle in the Sky. It's mm-hmm. good, but I don't know if it's better than them. True. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. There's so many good films there, though. 
The Wind Rises. Ponyo is like the Little Mermaid. It's kind of good. Maybe better in some way. I don't remember if that's this year or next year. Okay. I'll have to look. Okay. So one last question. So uh, reaching back into your childhood, the animated movies that we watched as children, um, one that you have not watched since you were a child and you would want to go back and revisit, which one would that be? Animated um, films. Animated films. Um, I'm trying to think of one I haven't watched. Well, okay, so like I know I watched The Little Mermaid as a kid. Mm-hmm, you did. And I have not seen it since. Uh, I know I watched parts of all the other old uh, Disney princess films, and I have not watched them since. Um, Again, I would say The Last Unicorn, but I have watched the first half since I was an adult. Uh, Mm. I have not finished it. But that would be the one I would say otherwise. Otherwise, it's probably The Little Mermaid, just because I would like to see how bad it actually is. Um, hey. <laughs> surprisingly not that bad. No, it's not really that bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I love Ursula, so you know. Of course, she's, she's very yeah. cool. Um, you definitely yeah. have to watch it before you uh, torture yourself with the new film. <laughs> and I say well, torture, not in the fat idea that the new live-action uh, Little Mermaid film will be bad. It's just Disney hasn't had a good track record with their live-action films. Well, Aladdin was good. It wasn't better than the original, but it was good. True. Uh, I liked the Jungle Book. I didn't watch the new Jungle Book. I watched the old live-action Jungle Book. Mm, yeah, I mean, the, the new one was good, but primarily I enjoyed it because hearing Christopher Walken try to sing <laughs> Friend Like Me yeah, yeah, was more like him talking rhythmically. <laughs> oh, funny. I, uh, mm-hmm. I kind of have a personal, I don't want to watch them because they were so great to begin with. Uh, I had to watch Aladdin because it's my favorite Disney film. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really wish they would do a return to Jafar. That would be fun. Yeah, they're, 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 there are plans. They're going to do a sequel to it at some point. Yeah. As long as they it's stick to very much by. return to Jafar. I'd have to be an inspired by, because I don't think that movie you would make a good live action film. You'd have to do, do really True. revamp it. Yeah. Especially it wouldn't really follow where the live action Aladdin finished. True. Because a genie is not a genie anymore. (laughs) Well, you know, I don't know. Like, uh, Disney is is special in their, uh, in what they do. Like, their live action, not live action Lion King. I couldn't watch it because why am I going to watch a digital version of a digital movie that was good? Um, It seemed silly. Um, They ruined Be Prepared. Oh, my gosh. Dude, you should have seen it in theaters. We were sitting in the theaters. Be prepared comes up, and Drew's like, "I'm gonna walk out of this theater." It's my favorite yeah. song of the of agreed, that, of agreed. That thing. And it's like, a, it's only half of it. B, a root completely changed all the lyrics, and C, it's like they could have left it out, and now it would have been better. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Yeah, I get that. All right. Uh, cool. So I, I think, our, unless you have something else, Jim. No, that's, I mean, as far as interrogations, I mean, I guess I don't have anything else to throw at that question. All right. Yeah. Good deal. So let's just jump into X-Men then, shall we? Previously on X-Men. Meet a sulky, over-funky, kind of hunky superhero. A two-fisted and electrically transistored superhero. An exotically erotic and aquatic superhero. 
Spider-Man and his amazing friends, Iceman and Firestar. I still love that theme. Well, there's a clear winner in all those songs, and it is the last one. Yes, it's Ron Wasserman. Yes. (laughs) The man who wrote Go Go Power Rangers wrote that too, and that's why it's great. Exactly. (laughs) Anywho, first episode of tonight, A Rogue's Tale, which first aired on January 8th, 1994, directed by Larry Houston and written by Marty Eisenberg and Robert N. Skier. In this episode, Mr. Sinister sends Mystique to destroy the X-Men while Professor X is lost in the Savage Land as he has been all season. Rogue starts having painful visions of a mysterious woman, and they're literally driving her crazy when the mysterious woman possesses Rogue's body. Unknown to the X-Men, the mystery woman holds some dark secrets to Rogue's past before she joined the X-Men. Guest cast for this one includes Chris Britton as Mr. Sinister, a.k.a. Nathaniel Essex. Robert Kalt as The Blob, a.k.a. Frederick Dukes. Rod Coneybear as Avalanche, Jennifer Dale as Mystique, a.k.a. Raven Darkholm, Graham Haley as Pyro, a.k.a. St. John Allardyce, and Roscoe Hanford as Ms. Marvel, a.k.a. Carol Danvers. Yes, Ms. Marvel, not Captain Marvel. That She didn't become Captain Marvel until the 2000s or 2010s. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, in this episode, we have the debut, of course, of Ms. Marvel. And uh, slash Carol Danvers. And also at the farmer's market, a vendor who appears to be selling lemonade looks a lot like Snake Plissken from the Escape From movies. <laughs> I didn't even <laughs> realize that. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, what are y'all's thoughts on this episode? Jim, why don't you start out? Well, I mean, I'm a big fan of Ms. Marvel uh, from way back. Uh, you know, the costume they use is very much uh, iconic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it, this was a big thing for me as a kid, like watching this episode. I mean, it, I think it's where I started to appreciate Carol Danvers anyway, it was just a little after this learning more about that, but this is such an iconic moment for the character as far as an X-Men, her gaining the abilities, uh, you know, getting to see that flashback and learning more about, uh, about that connection that she makes with Carol Danvers in order to mm-hmm. take her powers. Uh, you know, I think it's, I think it's a really interesting episode. We do get to see more of, um, the continued torture of rogue, uh, you know, with her powers and whatnot. And, uh, also getting that dynamic between her and mystique is, uh, is a good touch. So it's nice yeah. to see, uh, it's a classic episode. It's really a good one. I'm really glad I get to talk about this one. It's, it's classic. Yeah, I agree. Uh, what I find interesting is I think this is the, while we've had cameos mm-hmm. from non-mutant Marvel superheroes in the show before, previous to this, this is the first time one actually had a major role in the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I appreciated that in there. Uh, this is one of the stories I think I mostly remembered from when I was a kid. Because I remembered Miss Marvel showing up. I remember Rogue having this whole deal where that's how she got her powers was from some or her power of flight and her uh 
and her super strength was from another superhero who I didn't know it was uh, Miss Marvel at the time. Uh, so yeah, this is one of the one of the ones I've been looking forward to watching uh, when we started this. So uh, yeah, I enjoyed this episode. Uh, not uh, strangely enough, as much as I enjoyed it, there's not a lot to talk about because it's very straightforward. Mm-hmm. But uh, it is still a very sad tale, giving us more history of uh, Rogue's backstory, which we had not had so far. Yeah, and that's one thing I have liked about the seasons. We've had so many uh, character-centric stories mm-hmm. instead of just the whole team. So at some point I would like a Professor X to get back to the team because that's <laughs> kind of weird right. having your two minutes out in the Savage Lands and then you don't they don't show back up again until the next episode. Mm-hmm. But anyway. Yeah, this episode was be like I remember very clearly, very definely watching this episode as a kid. And I was like, wow, this is really cool because they they did this dynamic of be like the the inner turmoil, the inner torture of Rogue as a character. And uh, the understanding be like where she got her powers from, mm-hmm. her connection with Mystique, and uh, all the callbacks be like they talk about like oh we saw you on your island, and this this idea of uh, Carol Danvers, aka Miss Marvel, and um, be like, I I enjoy the story definitely when they go into the uh, uh, Rogue's intern like her her deepest thoughts where Rogue is be like had her memory purged. Yeah, and so she's having to relive all this trauma from her life, from her younger life, and uh, it it's it's a really tragic story you see, and and it, it gives almost this glimmer of hope when a uh, rogue goes to see Carol in the hospital, mm-hmm. and Carol apparently obviously is, hasn't had visitors in years, and yeah, and it's that it's that you little see glimmer. that one little brainwave mm-hmm. hit and the and the, and the smile, it's a, like, a little smirk, yeah, or something like that. But it was it was really touching, and I do like again I do enjoy these uh, character centric stories. Definitely when you get a character like Rogue, and this season has definitely started fleshing out who these characters are. Yes, uh, like obviously with Gambit and uh, Storm, we got a lot of Storm. We got a lot of Storm, Storm in season first, one, including her strange ability to change skin tones between two episodes that, that was that was weird that was yeah. that was a, that was an odd little clip and i was like what the world but either or that's he neither here or there but the the episode this episode is so iconic and when i realized the episode just like youtube said mm-hmm. before it's like i re- when i realized what the episode was, was like oh i love this episode and especially uh i don't remember the next episode so well but i remember this episode so well but yeah, it's a great episode. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah, iconic. Uh, I really actually enjoy the way they do the uh, uh, Xavier and uh, um, Magneto. I was gonna—I was trying to think of his name, Magnus. Magnus um, is what they keep calling him in this. Mm-hmm, yeah. That's the name he was going by at the time. But yeah, I love the way they actually do the little bit, kind of working it through, kind of spreading the big story out throughout the yeah. whole season. Mm-hmm. Versus, I mean. I mean, they could have made more content, I guess, for it, but it gives us a great opportunity to get these backstories, which, yeah. you know, for if you weren't a big comic fan at the time, and I wasn't at the time when I'm watching this, mm-hmm. um, it gives you a lot of insight into what's going on. Now, is it all 100% accurate to the comics? No, but it That's does uh, It does a really good job of staying pretty true to most of it, at least as far as how the characters exist and work. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the so one it, thing uh, that still confuses me, though, is that every once in a while they'll show that Carol Danvers 
almost as a in a monstrous form and i never yeah. understood what that was about i'm sure yeah. it's got to be a throwback to something in the comic book history that i don't, I don't know. know i was just looking at it like i was watching it and i was thinking she looks very uh very scroll almost in that yeah but she's Cree, and that doesn't make a lot of sense. So I don't know. Uh, and she's not 100% Cree, even. Right. She's a hybrid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. Like, I, I'm not certain. I would love to look it up because it feels familiar when I was watching. I was like, I kind of feel like I know that from somewhere else. Uh, but I mean, she does, like, after she loses her power, she becomes binary, and then she becomes Warbird later. And, you know, she does go through a lot of character change after losing her power. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't recognize the monstrous form. Oh, okay. So like, again, like an iconic film, uh, film episode like this rogues tale be like, you, you ask be like, I love to watch, um, uh, variant comics with, uh, Eris Kionis on YouTube. And, uh, like he, he points out the fact to be like, when you're a lot, when, like when we were younger, it wasn't comics weren't a big thing, but it was these shows like X-Men, Spider-Man, Batman, the animated series, and so on and so forth, you know, got our imaginations rolling and got a lot of us into comics. Mm-hmm. Or in some cases, for me, more getting into the mm-hmm. comics for the art. Well, what's so, funny is literally the 90s is this giant explosion of uh, Marvel comics in so many ways. That's when we start mm-hmm. seeing huge numbers of issues being printed because mm-hmm. I mean in 90 in about 1990s when you get the Spider-Man re, uh, Spider-Man itself Spider-Man relaunch you get uh, the X-Men uh, series launching right about uh, 91 I think it was Jim Lee. Um, yeah yeah with Jim Lee and you get the you get the artist explosion that comes along mm-hmm. with that which leads to all the third-party companies image etc mm-hmm. um, because of that but we get a change in the dynamic in the comics mm-hmm. these shows are created based on a lot of that because mm-hmm. there's a new interest there. And then they see the potential for the toys, which is, you know, what cartoons are for in, the, in that era. And they, but as opposed to a lot of the eighties, we get these really deep stories that even touch on a lot of great issues uh, that we don't see uh, in previous cartoons. Like we see a lot more uh, real issues getting brought up uh, in yeah. the, which we'll talk about later, I'm sure. Yeah, especially yeah. in the next one. Yeah, yeah in the so. next one. So, but that's X Men in general, though. That's the whole point True. of X Men. Yeah. Speaking of the next episode, you ready to move on to it? Yeah. Sure. All right. Next episode: Beauty and the Beast, which aired on January fifteenth, nineteen ninety four, directed by Larry Houston and written by Stephanie Matheson. In this episode, the Friends of Humanity attack a hospital for the blind that Beast is working at. And Wolverine plans on tearing them apart from the inside. Beast and one of his blind patients, Carly, fall in love together. But Carly's father is a mutant hater and won't stand to see them associating with each other. When the Friends of Humanity kidnap Carly for associating with a mutant, Wolverine, Beast, and the Friends of Humanity come full circle. Meanwhile, in the Savage Land, Xavier and Magneto are struggling to survive. Guest cast for this one includes uh, David Hemblin as Magneto. Peter McCowett as Amphibious and John Stalker as Graydon Creed Jr. Gotta be specific. Yes. <laughs> hey, Junior. Yeah. Wolverine says his name is John Logan. Wolverine, for the longest time, thought his name was Logan due to past memories. 
a lot of a, a lot were fake and implanted in his head by Weapon X. Mm-hmm. His real name was revealed to be James Howlett in the comics. Mm-hmm. In this episode, we do see the debut of Amphibious in the Savage Land. Uh, when Wolverine infiltrates the Friends of Humanity headquarters, he was wearing a hat similar to the Major League Baseball team Oakland Athletics, but with different colors. In this comic, Sabretooth's real name is Victor Creed. It was changed to Graydon Creed Sr. for the series in order to avoid any ambiguity between regarding Graydon Jr.'s parentage. Hmm. Wolverine hints for the first time in the series that Creed is the son of Sabretooth, which he proves to be true. So what are y'all's thoughts on this one, Jim? I think this is just a classic X-Men story uh, dealing with uh, bigotry and racism, mm-hmm. which is literally what the, the X-Men is founded on. Uh, yeah. The whole concept of people who are different having to struggle and pe- people not accepting people with differences. It's something we've always struggled with as a society uh, in, in different eras through history and even today. Uh, and so that's why the X-Men has always been popular. In this episode, it really um, shows that even when people are trying to help, uh, if they're different, a lot of people just can't handle that and are unwilling to accept it. Um, and I mean, you know, in this case, we've got uh, Dr. Hank McCoy doing what he does, you know, healing, helping somebody out. In fact, you know, healing them of blindness. Uh, <laughs> and the, the, the dad won't even let him around uh, yeah. because even though he's the doctor who's, who's, who came up with the procedure to do it. So it's, it's wild. I do love the uh, saber tooth uh, throwback. I mean, thro- uh, you know, uh, mm-hmm. story arc with his son, uh, in there, you know, Wolverine getting to deal with that. We get a little more of the Wolverine saber tooth, mm-hmm. uh, which is always a great thing. I really wish we had a fight with saber tooth just because anytime that makes them better. So, um, but yeah, uh, it, it's, it's classic. It's iconic. It's very much, uh, what we expect with X-Men as a whole. Um, and it does it in a way it, it's a well-done story. I mean, it shows, the possibility for redemption. It shows, uh, you know, that eventually sometimes if it shows the fact that more often than not, the, the time at which a person will uh, become aware of how wrong they are is when this, when it's turned on something or someone they care about. So, you know, like in this case with the uh, beast having to go off and save uh, the guy's daughter, it's when he finally goes, okay, well, these may not all be monsters after all. You know, sometimes you have, I mean, it's classic, just like the statement, well, if it was your daughter is often the way a lot of people identify to understanding, uh, you know, women's issues or, or any, any number of things. Sometimes it's a, it's just, you have to find that connection because a lot of people don't have empathy for people they're not connected to. Right. So. I think if I'm not mistaken though, this is the first real beast centric episode we've had. Because yeah. for the most part throughout season one, he was barely, he wasn't even really in the show except yeah, for yeah. Uh, a couple of instances here and there. And he's yeah. not really done anything much in season two until this episode yeah. outside of hanging out with the president. Um, so I thought that that look into his, uh, him having a, a decent story in here, I actually really did like. I, I love how uh, Wolverine and beasts are flipped at the end where it's. <laughs> Oh, it's beast rampaging and Wolverine's actually making the smart plan. Yes. Yeah. That was perfect. That was, that was a great uh, flip on Uh what we, what we're used to seeing. Yes. Um, And I knew we were about to have to, we were going to have to come to heads with the friends of humanity since they first showed up because Mm -hmm. 
good night are these ever the biggest bunch of rednecks right <laughs> you're not kidding yeah uh so yeah i mean it, it's a fun episode it's a and, and it's very much like you said a very classic x-men story uh and I, it, it was a good it was an enjoyable one to watch uh jacob what are your thoughts i be like there again we do get more of a b-centric story and there again with season two you're getting more and more of that mm-hmm. i do love that they bring back the the friends humanity which i don't like this group let me get that straight uh and you get this idea uh the 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 idol i the yeah if i can talk uh the 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 run of bigotry and hatred yes or something maybe you don't understand or you you have a pure just hatred of which is to hate something just because it's there mm-hmm. is absolutely insanely stupid yeah. beyond belief to hate something just because to to quote uh creed from another episode yeah when he's talking to jubilee because you were born that's why we hate you that's why we hate you which is such a granted i think Graden creed jr also has daddy issues he does but he was extremely <laughs> maybe a little i mean <laughs> it's like yeah, his dad's fuzzy and he's big and he growls i mean i can't blame him for having daddy issues if Sabretooth was my dad i would probably have issues too yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm not saying i would hate all of everyone who's a mutant but i mean I, I would probably hate him at least. He's kind of horrible. Yeah, yeah he's kind of a, t- a terrible person. But Which does uh, bring up an interesting thing. I don't think I ever considered, and that is that a mutant can have a normal human kid. Yeah, yeah. Which is not something I think ever comes up that or doesn't come I'm up that normal. Often. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It's like when, when the big revelation yeah. comes. Obviously, we knew it's coming. I'm not his son. Uh, I'm normal. Yeah. He's the freak. <laughs> It's like that kind of goes against what you said. It's like anyone who associates with them. Yeah. You yeah. are associated with one of the bigger ones. Yeah. yeah. And I, I love I love the point when be like obviously, you know, Creed is like his his revelation has been blown his his hair has been blown, and all of his his little terrible little followers start walking away from him mm-hmm. because like, oh, you're tainted. You're be like you have association with mutants. And yeah. it's just this nice little twist. And then you get the, the scene where uh, it's uh, who's what's the girl's name? Carly. Carly. Yeah. Carly and Beast, they get their little time alone. And the father shows up and he you know, he shakes Beast's hand. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, that's a start. Be like, it's to be like, you're like, yeah, you can disagree with somebody, but you can still be friends with them. Yeah. And um, or what have Something you. Something I think a lot of people forget in this modern day and age. Sure. Yes, in some capacities. So yeah, I love this episode. It, it it really with with a lot of like with the points that Jim brought up, that Drew brought up, it is a really, really good episode. And uh yeah, I'm I'm looking for more really good storytelling through the series. All righty. We got anything else to add before we wrap up? Um no, again, I, I think the, the thing about this episode is, again, it, it's that classic, iconic, uh, you know, X-Men story. Mm-hmm. It, it, it literally touches all those points you want to see. It is great that we get to see a B story in the series at that point. And, and like you said, I love that season two is doing that. It gives you that um, building the characters, you know, yeah. uh, through as opposed to just like a little bit. And because, you know, most of these most of these episodes are built around fighting the bad guys, seeing what's happening, just like the comics did. But giving them those individual moments is, is really nice. So it does a, a 
they do a good job on building it. That's why it's one of the great animated series of the nineties. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And also the fact to be like, uh, I think you, you pointed out where it was like Jubilee says, be like, you know, like what's going on? Because Logan's using his head and yeah. pieces going berserk. Cause I, I, I love that moment where, um, uh, I want to call her Jody, but she's not Jody. Jean Grey? No, the the girl. Carly. Jubilee? No. Carly? Carly, thank you. Yeah, Carly. Like we both know someone named Carly. You ought yes, to be able to figure this out. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, again, I am terrible with names, so my apologies. Uh, so when Carly's kidnapped and you get this, be like, Beast loses it. The guy who's calm and collected, the scientist, and he loses it because he loves this girl so much. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just like you see a completely different side of the Beast. <laughs> Like you get to see the beast rather than Hank McCoy. Yeah. And I love that because there again, it's building character centric stories and it's dealing with different issues that be like, we're relevant in the past, relevant then and relevant now. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just, it's beautiful storytelling. I love it. Even if it's cheesy. Oh yeah. It's cheesy, but it's so good. It was, yeah. it was good. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. It is. And then you get the the you scene. Embrace the cheese. It's Gouda for you. Yeah. <laughs> or the uh, the scene where uh, Logan walks in on you know Creed's interrogation of Carly, and it's just like, how dare you walk in here? You what, have the authority. What gives you the right? Shake. This gives me all the rights I need. <laughs> yeah, three pointy adamantium claws yes. putting your chin. Uh, so yeah, that's it. <laughs> all right. Since the season finale of season two is a two-parter, we are only doing one episode next week so that wow. we don't have to split episodes. So next week we are going to, our X-Men, or not next week, in two weeks, yeah. we're going to be reviewing Mojo Vision. Mojo Vision. I vaguely remember this episode. I don't remember this episode, and I'm worried after I read the synopsis on this one. Well, if you're trying to remember, it's a long shot. Ha <laughs> ha. Thank you. I'm anyway, glad you got it. I'm glad you got it. Anyway, uh, Jim, why don't you tell us where we can find you at? Well, uh, you can find me at on Facebook as uh, Passive Creative. Uh, you can find me on Twitter as Passive Creative. Uh, and on uh, Instagram, I'm Passive Creator. I don't do enough on those half the time, but I'm trying to get back into it. Like I said, I'm trying to revamp some stuff. Speaking of which, I'm hoping to bring back Movie of the Week podcast in a few weeks to a month or two. Just depends. I'm trying to iron out some stuff. Um, I might have some throwback uh, episodes to put in there randomly as well that we worked on that never got put out. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, I'll probably try to get y'all on for some guest appearances as, as well. And uh, I'm uh, hopefully going to have uh, should be next week. I should have the my web comic, the haphazardly thrown together web comic, should be back up uh, cool. on on webtoons and uh the other ones i can't think of at the moment so i'm also on video store rejects which you can find on facebook uh youtube and Mm -hmm. uh, all over the place but anywhere you can listen to podcasts you can catch movie of the week podcast it's still out there there's still stuff if you haven't caught up on it and uh yeah that's pretty much it awesome Mm -hmm. I, i i would say would definitely movie of the week podcast it was like with this show be like you get exposed to different types of media yeah where mm-hmm. with movie the week podcast it was we're reviewing this and we're reviewing like knives out we're reviewing halloween we're reviewing lots of different movies. lots of different movies that maybe like i would never have watched before right so it was it was very much a uh 
an iconic moment when it came to like cinema mm-hmm. in yeah. my reviewing career. Yeah, it's fun. I'll have you on. I know you are busy, but I'll still try to get you on oh, yeah. from time to of time. Course. So we'll, we'll be glad to guest host on an episode. Yep. Cool. I might even anyway. split y'all up. Make put you out your comfort zones. Oh gosh, that doesn't really put me out of my comfort zone. I've been on. I've, I was on Henshinman for five weeks. Oh, there you go. There you go. I reviewed Common Rider, the goofiest television show I've ever watched. Wow, that's not the same series that you just held up. Yeah. But anyway. <laughs> uh. So yeah, that's gonna be it for us. Uh. In the meantime, this has been Drew. This is Jacob. Oh, and this is Jim. And we'll catch you <laughs> in the next frame. Bye, guys. You can follow Jacob on his Facebook at Jacob B. Heron. His Facebook page, Jacob's Daily Art Corner, where he tries to draw each and every day. His Instagram at Jacob B. Heron. His Twitter at Jacob Heron. And his letterbox to Jacob Heron. You can find Drew on Facebook at Drew Dodgen. His Facebook page, Drew's Photo Bin, to see his photography. His letterbox page at G. George759. His Twitter at GGeorge759 and Instagram at Drew Dodgen. You can like us on Facebook at The Cellcast Podcast, on Twitch at The Cellcast Gaming, on YouTube at Cellcast, on Twitter at Cast underscore Cell. The Cellcast can be found at Apple Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else fine podcasts are downloaded from. Please rate and review us where you found us and also on Podchaser. Email us at thecellcastpodcast at gmail.com. The Cellcast is a proud member of both the Pop Americana and Culture Box Media Networks. For more information, please see the link in the description. Our theme song is Drop and Roll by Silent Partner. And remember, that's Cell with a single L. Don't dance with pineapple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. There you go. <laughs>